This is the sound of a normal heart. Now, listen to that same heart subjected to a night of total terror. Welcome to the night of the living dead. The dead who feed on living flesh. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. The living whose bodies are the only food for these ghoulish creatures. The night of the living dead. Bizarre adventure in fear. An experience in shock more shattering than your strangest nightmare. Night of the living dead. The night of total terror. The original uncut Night of the Living Dead, banned in 36 countries in a special late show. This show will pollute listeners' ears with foul language, occasional sexually explicit content, and more irony than is allowed for single episodes. Last several years, distributors of obscenity have expanded into new areas, employing new technologies and reaching new audiences. Neither our Constitution, our courts, our people, nor our respect for common decency and human suffering will allow this trafficking in obscene material. Cinema PsyOps. Which exploits women and men alike to continue. Sharing filth-laden desires on mic to warp the brains of listeners until they are all demented deviants. Federal laws are being violated, and thus I am committed to redoubling the federal effort to ensure that those criminal elements who are trafficking in obscenity are pursued with a vengeance and prosecuted to the hill. The fact that society is becoming much more open now, uh, less repressed, and I think there's less need for... Cinema PsyOps. Without dignity, they shout into the void in a vain attempt to be loved. Living in this culture now where there's just icebergs of filth floating through every house on Wi-Fi, it's inconceivable what it must be like to be a young adolescent now with this kind of access to... Cinema PsyOps. It must be dizzying and exciting, but corrupting in a way that we can't even think about. A pirate ship with a tattered flag, sailing across seas of questionable movies while firing cannons of disdain. Cinema PsyOps. Long may she sail. Hello and welcome to the 200th episode of Cinema PsyOps, motherfuckers! We made it! This is going to be our fourth year that we're finishing out here, and not nearly as excited as I am is Matt! Hi. <laughs> it's nice to meet you. Dude, we made it 200 episodes. 200! <laughs> we are getting ready to close out within the eight episodes, or nine counting this one, our fourth fucking year of podcasting without missing a week straight. How dare we? <laughs> <laughs> Be straight or not miss a week? Uh, both. And uh, how dare you assume our genders? <laughs> Not necessarily genders, but orientations. Both. Now you've now you've really done it. Great. This is the two hundredth and final episode. We're canceled. Are you finding this disorienting? We're, we're just we're we have really just we've bucked the system. No safe spaces anymore. Let's be honest. We've been circling the drain for quite a while on this show. Regardless, oh, a lot, a lot. Yeah. yeah. I mean, uh, is it possible to circle the drain for two hundred episodes? Because I feel like we've been doing that. Maybe I don't know. We've had moments of brilliance where we've done some really good shows and i think there's been some people that have become fans from those really good shows yeah and then they're just like wait when is it gonna get good again when 
did it go away? Basically, we're the Walking Dead of podcasting. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> we're. Uh, the, I'm pretty sure that episode we did on the nasties was probably like the zenith for our brilliance. Maybe I don't think we were ever brilliant. I think we were just no, the zenith for if what, what might be considered our brilliance, the closest that? to brilliance that we've ever come. Our brilliance, and I'm not saying our brilliance is brilliance. It's just brilliance for us. Let's face it, we're the dullest knife in the drawer. Yeah, yes, <laughs> we're the we're the dimmest bulb. We are the dimmest bulb in the pack. We are the dullest tool in the shed, and we are the dullest knife in the drawer. Yeah, that's it, that's cinema psyops. We're made of spare parts, bud. <laughs> yeah, mostly because we have to keep cloning ourselves. We're both the Danny DeVito. <laughs> Yes, the leftover twin. The leftover twin. That's both of us. <laughs> we but should should have called this the leftover twin podcast. That doesn't matter. Yeah. None of that matters None because of that matters. we have made it 200 episodes. 200. And if you will recall, I know that you probably will have to have a brain cell or two float on top of the alcohol that is your bloodstream. Uh-huh. But do you remember when we first started and you asked me, when are we doing Romero? Do you remember what my response was? You said 200. I said 200. You... I said, we got to get close to four years under our belt before yeah. we'll be capable of it. Yeah. And we're not. We just, no. we made the mark. We and... probably should have done it two years ago. We were closer then. When we We've gave regressed. a shit more. <laughs> regressed it's those goddamn blood for irena fucking yeah uh, queen of blood movies that it's, did it. it's all those may uh, may Mateys. that's what fucking did no, it no no we were broken way before that I'm, it was I'm like a, it was like blood yeah, for irena queen of blood yeah. and then that really kind of oh. cool swedish film but yeah but like still bizarre and hard to like talk about it was those three episodes broke us it was definitely <laughs> the two hour-long movies that had no dialogue yeah you're very correct on that one yeah those were painful those, those much pain those those took years off my life that i didn't have to give <laughs> weirdly enough they put years back on my life from Re watching your suffering really well that's nice because you had to do the notes for those remember but then you were so happy you self-harmed yourself and took those years right back off <laughs> i don't self-harm do. when i'm happy i self-harm when i can't feel anything but i thought that was your kink <laughs> all right you win this round <laughs> i don't want to reveal what my kink actually is yeah so you gotta really just be so we'll be here it. for another 200 episodes <laughs> yeah. while i go through the list of weird fetishes i've developed over the years. Know, right? <laughs> hey, hey, no one says they have to be weird, all right? You're not weird. You're an individual. But I like to kink shame myself. Oh, oh, I forgot that's one of your kinks. Yeah. I'm sorry. I'm that's sorry. like number one. <laughs> I'm sorry. I'm sorry. All other kinks must be disgusting to you from this, this further. <laughs> sorry. Sorry. <laughs> it's all right, Mr. Canadian man. All right. No, I am super stoked to talk about Romero. I already posted the photos in the group for anybody, but I knew I was going to bring it up. Anybody who's known me long enough will know, and anybody who's seen my upper right arm will know my love of Romero. Yes, it is. It is. It is real. My obsession level is tattoo sleeve. Yes. Where's yours at? Uh, enjoying movies. <laughs> By George Romero. Here's here's where my level's at. I like Diary of the Dead. <laughs> so come at me, bro, with your fucking sleeve. <laughs> and somebody's like, so are you going to get a Diary and Survival tattoo as well? No. And I just posted a photo of Frank shaking his head going, nope, 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 no. <laughs> no, no. We don't do that here. <laughs> That's not the sort of thing that we're into in Cinema PsyOps. This is not the sickness with which I am down. <laughs> Ha, ha, ha.
No, but I'm super excited, and we've got a lot of fucking feedback. We've got tons of emails. You have at least one, right? Yeah, I got an email. Okay, did you get any more than that? Uh, no, I just have that email. Because I was basically saying, if you wanted somebody to read it, send it to them, and then I was like, fuck it, just send them all to me. Just send stuff in so that we have. I have... And the people have responded. We have so much feedback. It's amazing. I have that email. Uh, that's all I've gotten from anybody for, you know, unless you're talking about uh, uh, hot milfs in my area, uh-huh. or or this really nice um, Indian guy who says he's a prince, and apparently if I give him my social security number, I'm going to get $500 million. Wow. It sounds like a pretty decent deal. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure that I could take that $500 million and meet those hot milfs in my area. <laughs> <laughs> or at least the kind that would be willing to double up on a dude like you. <laughs> Double up. Jesus, I was talking about single up. I don't have the heart for a double up. Yes, as we've always made <laughs> the joke. Down, I'll you, break down. <laughs> as we always make the joke, you can only disappoint one woman at a time. Yeah, really. I just, <laughs> I don't have that kind of time. All right, so we've got tons of feedback, and this is the thing that I want to do this time around for the 200 episodes. Uh-huh. We're going to do them, regardless of whether it's audio or something that we have to read, in the order they were received. Oh, all right. So that's what we're going to do. But in order for us to get to the feedback, we got to get through the movie. We got to talk night, about Night of the Living Dead and all things Romero having to do with Night of the Living Dead as we go through this film piece by piece as we are wont to do clips and all. Yes. And believe me, I have some clips. Uh, I'm sure. How many clips do you got? I have nine total clips, but I pulled every radio spot and I took yeah. the trailer and turned it into an audio version I, as best I could. I got to tell you, I have, I have because this is going to be the first movie in a long time where I haven't done the notes or the clips. <laughs> and so throughout the whole movie, I'm sitting there while watching, I'm like, I'd clip that. I'd clip that. I'd clip that. <laughs> well, my clip started at hour zero 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 zero. Yes. And ended roughly right after the chief says, there's another one for the fire. Yeah. That's pretty much how my clips go. Oh, well, of course. And there's nine of those. Nice. So we're going to listen to the movie nine times. I'm for it. Let's do it. <laughs> No, I'm not going to do that. Can we just watch it, too? Sure, why not? All I mean, right, I'd be pretty fucking close on that. So. Yeah, right. <laughs> All right, we're going to take this break here. We're going to play the Legion podcast Patreon ad. We're going to play a radio spot for Night of the Living Dead. And when we come back, we will have some music befitting of Night of the Living Dead. And then we will have the actual original theatrical trailer. Horror movies come and horror movies go. There are some really bad ones and some very good ones. Then there's the granddaddy of horror thrillers, The Night of the Living Dead. If you were nauseous over the Texas Chainsaw Massacre, if you had frightmares and couldn't sleep after The Exorcist, if you're still in shock over Last House on the Left and wondering what happened, you haven't seen anything yet. The original, uncut, uncensored version of Night of the Living Dead. TV could never bring you the complete film. So unbelievably shocking, the exhibitors will only show it late at night in order to protect the innocent minds of the very young. Warning, the producers take absolutely no responsibility for any effects from seeing the original uncut Night of the Living Dead banned in 36 countries. A special late show. Take as much as you can. This'll keep it quiet. Oh, hi there. I didn't see you. You call me Cutting a New Show. I'm Bo Ransdell, and I'm one of the many creators you can find on Legion Podcasts. I said quiet! My fellow podcasters and I work hard to bring you the best in horror podcasting, but that comes at a cost. What's that like to live deliciously? Not that, but also yes. No, what I'm getting at is that there are server costs 
costs for good microphones and software for editing, all the things that make our shows, you know, fun to listen to. And you can help. If you're enjoying the shows on legionpodcasts.com or in the Legion Network available on iTunes and Stitcher, just about anywhere you can download a podcast, really, you can help us out and get a little something for your trouble at patreon.com forward slash legionpodcasts. For just two bucks a month, you get a pair of movie commentaries exclusive to Patreon, and for $5, you can also join us for a monthly screening of a movie. All of that available on patreon.com forward slash legion podcasts. We appreciate it, and thank you for listening. Now, back to the cutting room. is the misfits man with night of the living dead i had to play that because it's quite literally the only song in my whole repertoire that actually has night of the living dead as the title oh nice so this ain't no loving this yeah. ain't no happening uh-huh. this ain't no feeling in my heart okay i think that's what the lyrics are that i i, I you know i don't really listen for lyrics and songs i'm gonna let you know unless you like try to point them out to me which i do usually whenever i want you to be pissed off at yeah. what i'm playing yeah because it's not cool to did, do that did, i just enjoy the sound and, you know, try to forget that I'm slowly wasting away into nothingness. <laughs> well, you know what will help you not forget that you're wasting away into nothingness? What's that? The third trailer for tonight, which is the actual cinematic trailer. I feel so empty. Night of total terror. Night of the living dead. The dead who live on living flesh. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living, the living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. Night of the living dead. A bizarre adventure in fear. An experience in shock, more shattering than your strangest nightmare. Night of the living dead. A night with the dead who cannot die. A night of total terror, night of the living dead.
I love that guy's voice. Yes. <laughs> now, I'm pretty sure that some of the other radio spots, it sure sounds like Casey Kasem. <laughs> so if it wasn't Casey Kasem who did that, yeah. it certainly was somebody who sounds an awful was, lot like Casey was Kasem. Was Casey Kasem that active that early? Yeah, dude. Really? He goes real far back. Wow. Yeah. You know, I always just you gotta think figure, of like the original, 80s. original release was 68, yeah. and then they re-released it to midnight movie style theaters in 70, uh-huh. and the radio spots that sound like Casey Kasem are 70, and you got to remember how long ago was Scooby-Doo. That's right, because he did Scooby-Doo. He was a voiceover artist before he hit the is radio he, for the Because I was a time. kid, I just think 80s, you know. Right. It was like Casey Kasem time. Well, that's because like he didn't fucking age and then until he had like a stroke, and then all of a sudden he just yeah. like, Portrait of Dorian Gray, it all caught up with him at once. And then his wife like hit him from his whole entire family. I don't want to know about any of that drama because we got a whole lot of other family drama yeah, to get yeah. into in this movie. Well, not real, well there is some family drama. <laughs> the film opens on a dirt road in rural PA. A handful of farmhouses are in the distance. I love this opening shot because it just establishes just how remote it is out there. Yes. And anyone who lives in PA knows that PA road because that cutout in the side of the hill that is just clearly they just chipped away at the side of the hill and they're willing to let it erode back into the road. Uh-huh. That is so PA. They call that a shoulder there. Uh-huh. What you would say soldier. Yeah. Soldier. <laughs> shoulder. Soldier. Shoulder. The footage. Some, li- footage. some library music plays in the background and sets an ominous overture to what we are about to watch on screen. That's right, folks. You got someone with a vocabulary doing notes this week. Oh, yeah. No one likes it. <laughs> Opening credits start as we watch a car head into frame from the far reaches of the background road. It passes the camera and the title pops up on screen. Night of the Living Dead. Yes. More credits from the cast and crew pop up as the car continues its journey onto the Evans City Cemetery Drive. That is the name of the actual road if you go visit that place. Uh-huh. And I'm sure you have. Uh, I got photos to prove it. And since we brought it up, I will bring it and put those in the group when I find them again. There you go. Yeah. We brought it up. You mean since I brought it up? Well, yes. Evans City Cemetery Drive and into the cemetery proper, the car passes its intended turn and pulls to a stop. And that leads to our very first clip. They ought to make the day the time changes the first day of summer. What? Well, it's eight o'clock and it's still light. A lot of good the extra daylight does us. Now, we've still got a three-hour drive back. We're not going to be home until after midnight. Well, if it really bugged you, Johnny, you wouldn't do it. You think I want to blow Sunday on a scene like this? You know, I figure we're either going to have to move Mother out here or move the grave into Pittsburgh. She can't make a trip like this. Oh, no, that she can't. Is there any of that candy left? No. Look at this thing. We still remember. I don't. You know, I don't even remember what the man looks like. Johnny, it takes you five minutes. Yeah, five minutes to put the wreath on the grave and six hours to drive back and forth. Mother wants to remember, so we trot 200 miles into the country and she stays at home. Well, we're here, John, all right? Test. Back on. Oh. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we're coming back on the air after an interruption due to technical problems. Nothing wrong with the radio. Must have been the station. Which row is it in? Well, there's no one around gotten up earlier. Oh, look, I already lost an hour's sleep on the time change. I think you'll complain just to hear yourself talk. There it is. I wonder what happened to the one from last year. Each year we spend good money on these things. We come out here and the one from last year's gone. Well, the flowers die and the caretaker or somebody takes them away. Yeah, a little spit and polish, you can clean this up, sell it next year. wonder how many times we bought the same one. Hey, come on, Barb, church was this morning, huh? Hey, I mean, praying's for church, huh? Come on. 
I haven't seen you in church lately. <laughs> well, there's not much sense in my going to church. Do you remember one time when we were small, we were out here? It was from right over there. I jumped out at you from behind the tree, and Grandpa got all excited, and he shook his fist at me, and he said, Boy, you be damned to hell! <laughs> remember that? Right over there. Well, you used to really be scared here. Johnny! Hey, you're still afraid. Stop it now, I mean it. They're coming to get you, Barbara. Stop it! You're ignorant! They're coming for you, Barbara. Stop it! You're acting like a child! They're coming for you! Look! There comes one of them now! He'll hear you! Here he comes now! I'm getting out of here! Johnny! Alright, man, that is definitely the sequence and scene that pretty much launched a thousand imitators. Is there, is there more of an iconic line? They're coming to get you, Barbara? Yeah, then they're coming to get you, Barbara. No, I mean, I've seen in, that in stolen. All movies. Yeah, I've seen that stolen dozens of times yeah. and not just by Matei. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> right. I'm just saying, I think in all of horror, it's one of the most iconic lines, if not the most. Um, I would say something probably delivered by Lugosi. Like, I've heard people quote, I never drink wine quite a bit. Yeah. I think it depends upon your specific touch tone to horror. Maybe another one is it, as as easy as a little phrase as it is, but the way he said it is "Good evening." I mean, how many times has that been menacingly said now in every movie since he said that? Good evening. Yeah, he's doing a little shock theater kind of voice there, or like a horror host kind of thing. Yeah. Creep out his sister. I just the thing that I noticed watching it for this show this time and actually putting it under the very critical eye and not just going super fanboy with it. Yeah, the dialogue of the sequence between the two of them really establishes the differences in their personality even though they're supposed to be brother and sister. Yeah. It shows the sibling rivalry and it shows just how much of a bastard Johnny is, even though he's a good at heart kind of guy. Well, he's he's bored, and you can tell if he's the kind of guy who's going to get bored, he's going to get into mischief, probably. And he's and also sick of driving six fucking yeah. hours to lay a wreath at somebody's grave that he hasn't seen in so father. long. It's their father. I'm pretty sure you can kind of get into the mode, because he says, I don't even remember the man's face. Yeah. So it's a father who's died young, so he never. So you can already tell he hasn't had the strongest male figure in his life. I'm almost going to say their father probably died in the war, because it's like they Thank you. You will remember. And he goes, I don't remember. Yeah, this anything. is Memorial Day, right? They're yeah. going for Memorial Day. I think they're probably up there for Memorial Day. Yeah. And yeah, I'm just really fucking fitting that I'm we're covering sure, this when we I'm are. I'm sure his father, if you go by the time, probably died in the Korean War. I'm guessing Korea as, as well. Or, as old they are. Yeah. And yeah, so you have a guy and he's not religious at all. He's probably kind of a more. Hey, here's one and thing. The way I they could, deliver that is so brilliant where he just yeah. says, I mean, praying for church. Prayings Can we get church. on the fucking road? Yeah, yeah. come on. And I think think it's it's probably twofold um johnny's the one who probably left home you know went to college left home and probably moved into the city and worked where she probably stayed closer to home next to mom you know have the yeah the johnny went out life. and got an education and found out that religion's a bunch of horse shit while she sat at home getting all religified by her mom and voting for trump <laughs> jesus hey man don't push that on them all right <laughs> i'm not pushing it on johnny yeah. i'm pushing that on barbara yeah the barbara in this film is a trump supporter Probably. <laughs> she would probably be, yes. <laughs> yes. In including the fact that she barely even talks to the only black guy in the movie. Yeah, she probably is a Trump supporter. <laughs> okay, so with this, at the end of the clip there, when Johnny says he's getting out of there, Barbara actually turns around and goes to apologize to the man because Johnny's basically being an asshole. Yeah. More or less. And he's fucking around in a cemetery on Memorial Day, even though they talk about how empty it is. Well, and but here's my problem. You see this guy's kind of stumbling. Even off in the distance, I'd be like, well, that's kind of weird. Maybe, maybe 
maybe I'll, I'll just follow Johnny to the fucking car. Just think, what if they just both went to the car and she saved that praying for church? You know, <laughs> they prayed a prayer on the way home. Yeah, they, the whole time they could be halfway home before that guy even got there. Yeah, who knows? Who knows where they end up? All right. So with that, Johnny ends up wrestling with what is known nowadays as the number one zombie. Now I refer to them as either number one zombie or number one ghoul throughout the notes because they are called ghouls in this film. And then one of the things that everybody that knows Romero will know, he is only ever referred to the creatures as zombies in his own films once. I never even knew that. I thought it was none. Yeah. Now that's him himself. He actually did a voiceover where he says zombies and there's only one other character who actually says zombies and that's in Dawn of the Dead. Oh, really? Yeah. And it's just a throwaway line that not many people notice. Otherwise, they have very creative nicknames for that. That's what I've always loved. I hate in almost any movie, if they say the word zombie, it pisses me off. Unless it's like zombies are a thing that were already a part of entertainment and they they thought it was a movie monster and then it becomes a real thing. Then I'm okay with them calling them zombies, but I prefer that they use like what Shaun of the Dead did where they said, don't use the Z word and they just say Z, which is Z. They're just calling them Z's. But I love things, attackers, ghouls. I even refer to them as the dead, whatever. But I hate anybody referring to them as a zombie. I don't know why. It just bothers me. On a constant basis, it is annoying. All right, so he starts wrestling with the number one zombie who ends up getting into like sort of a fake-ass, weird-ass wrestling match. But what ends up happening is Johnny falls to the ground and cracks his head on a fucking tombstone, which breaks his head open and kills him, but doesn't destroy the brain, apparently. And then you see the zombie, the number one zombie, push up, look at Barbara. She gets this terrified look, and they do really great editing back and forth. And then the number one zombie starts per- pursuing her. Well, I at- think another great thing in that scene is when the lightning strikes right after he looks up and kind of really lights up his grotesque face. <laughs> Which is funny because that's just Bill Heinzman's face. There's no I, I know, makeup. you feel bad. I, but I, even, I mentioned this. Uh, my wife really wanted to watch. She's going to be pretty much watching all these movies with me because she loves all these movies too. And so she was watching this one with me. And she was like, wow. And I go, yeah, I mean, they did a really good job of just finding a guy who kind of had a fucked up face or who can make fuck up fucked up faces to play the very first zombie when you don't have a huge makeup budget. R.I.P. in peace, Mr. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah R.I.P. in peace. I'm sorry. But I'm not saying he had a fucked up face. I'm saying it would maybe better he can make fucked up faces. They contort him and he does kind yeah, of make looks yeah. a little bit bizarre. Yeah. But it's scary. Like, I'd be fucking if this is if I watched this in 1968, I'd piss myself. <laughs> All right. So the number one zombie ends up pursuing her at a very moderate pace. And then all of a sudden, as she gets to the car and gets the car locked, he then speeds up, almost like the director's like, hey, we're running out of film, move it. <laughs> Can you get the fuck moving on, please? He gets at the car, he starts smashing at it with his hands, trying to break a window, he tries to do the door handle, and automatically you see that zombies are advanced tool users in the Romero universe right from the get-go. Yes. They're not dumb, they're just a little messed up because they're dead. Yeah, they at <laughs> least remember that you could pick things up and smash things. In this movie, yeah, now, in you the actually, next few... They do, though, they do in a few of them, it's just depending upon... It just depends on the time. Yeah. Now, he does end up speeding up, and then he runs around the other side of the car and tries the other part of the door when she goes to lock that as well. And then he grabs what looks to me like a cobblestone-type brick, because it's a weird-shaped brick. Yes. It's either a landscaping stone-type brick, or it was a cobblestone that he picked up off the road. Yeah. Which, given how old that cemetery probably is, it may have had cobblestone at some point. That's true. So that's... I'm just guessing that's just kind of...
kind of the shape of the rock. He smashes into the window about two or three times before the window finally gives way and the rock comes sailing in. And if you really pay attention, it hits the camera there. Oh, it does? It almost took out George's eye because he was holding the camera for that shot. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> yeah. I'll try to keep this stuff at a minimum. I'm geeking out about this shit. <laughs> so he breaks through and then he starts reaching for her through the broken glass. And just as this ends up happening, as he's reaching through the passenger side window, Barbara manages to slip the car into neutral and then pull the parking brake so it starts heading down the road and down that incline of the Evans City Cemetery Road. The ghoul is still reaching in for her and then he ends up being broken free from the car because he can't keep up pace and also because we don't want to see Bill Heinzman actually get injured for the shoot. Yeah, right. That would be not cool. So the car is gaining some speed down the hill and then the ghoul is following him and Barbara is panicking and not really driving it very well because if she would have, she would have gotten a much better lead. But yeah. she ends up sideswiping a tree on the way down. Coincidentally, that tree's still there and there's still some rubbing marks if you're there. Really? As of five years ago when I went or four years ago, it was still there. <laughs> and the rubs were still there. Nice. <laughs> But they actually didn't crash the car into that tree. Yeah. It was crashed beforehand, and they just used that. Oh, as a yeah, thing. Yeah, just where the damage was already at, they just backed the car up into the yeah. tree there. But you can kind of see where it was supposed to have rubbed. I gotcha. Okay, so she sideswipes the tree, and Barbara gets out and runs like hell for the very first and only time in the movie. Yeah. Towards an old farmhouse, freeing herself from the grips of the first ghoul temporarily. She ends up finding her way inside of the farmhouse, but is pursued the entire time by the number one zombie. Once inside the house... She arms herself with a chef's knife. People call that type of knife a butcher's knife all the time, but it is a chef's knife. Yes. A butcher's knife is shaped completely different and has more of a cleaver type rounded end. Yep. Chef's knives are for chopping and slicing, but people call them butcher knives all the time. I don't know why. That's always bugged me. That's why I wanted to point that out. Not trying to pat out the episode at all. Yes, Mr. <laughs> Anal Retentive. Keep telling us about the knives of culinary. Hi, welcome to the culinary podcast with Court and Matt. How's it going? Hey, I like knives. Deal with it. We know. We know. <laughs> the world is aware. <laughs> she starts searching the house for help, possibly a phone or a at this point, she might just be padding out the runtime. I kind of got the idea that they were just trying to show just how abandoned even this farmhouse was and build tension. There's one thing I've never checked. What's the runtime on this movie? One hour and 30 some odd minutes. It's okay. just, just over an hour and a half. That's just, I, it's yeah. you it's never one feel of those it. movies I've never, I've enjoyed always so much that I've never looked at what the runtime was. Yeah, you never really feel it. Well, because typically the only time I look at runtimes is when I'm doing the clips, really, because I want I need to know like the times and everything. We then get a scare cord as she enters a room of trophies, a hunter's trophies, I should say. It's a bunch of severed animal heads, which if she actually is from Pennsylvania where this movie is taking place, yeah. that type of room is really kind of pretty common. Yeah, it's taxidermy, man. Come Particularly on. in rural PA. I mean, but everywhere... She did just watch her brother get murdered and a man I chase know, after PTSD, her. So she, yeah, I know, yeah. Come I on, know. I'm just saying. But I'm also just saying that a room of trophies shouldn't have even registered for her for a hunter. Well, she also doesn't seem in this movie movie like the brightest bulb okay right trump supporter yeah we see when she looks outside the number one zombie had actually torn down the phone line as he's walking past a lot of people think that is just like a. I thought it was a clothesline at first until uh not this watching but one of my many many other view i think it was a halloween night i i like to play that a lot during halloween yeah and uh it, it then that was the first time i just happened to look over and go those are actual phone lines that's not yeah that's not like laundry lines you know where they hung 
showing up like to dry. I was like, oh shit, that's why the phone never worked. Yeah, it was a it was a phone drop that they just basically had up on a pole, and that's what yeah. it was where he was ripping that off. And then they end up showing that she tries to make a phone call. Like right after he does that, she finds the phone and then tries to make a call, and that inhibits her ability to make a call. Which we end up hearing the dead sound of the phone every time somebody picks up the phone from here on out. Yeah, which is not how dead phones sound, but we'll let that go. Everything else about the movie's just fine. Yeah, we'll just no need. To, we, I probably didn't even need to bring it up, but you know. The first ghoul is still outside, but this activity has attracted the attention of two more ghouls who then rally to the first one. Barbara runs upstairs to flee this evil, only to find the half-eaten face of a dead person right at the landing of the staircase. They built that out of Dermawax and an anatomy display. Nice! Barbara attempts to flee the house to come face-to-face with our hero and the man, Ben, who pulls up in an old pickup truck. Ben's talking, motherfucker, so that's our next clip it's all right don't worry about him i can handle him probably be a lot more of them as soon as they find out about us the truck is out of gas this pump out here is locked is there a key we can try to get out of here if we can get some gas is there a key i suppose you've tried this do you live here jesus we've got to get out of here we have to get to where there's some other people hey maybe we better take some food I'll see if I can find some food. What's happening? What's happening? Two of them. There are two of them out there. Have you seen any more around here? I can take care of those two. I don't. I know you're afraid, but we. I don't know. I don't know. So she's truly gone fishing at this point. Yeah, she's on a full paperclips moment. Who in the fuck took my paperclips? I just had to replay that last yeah, thing of her I screaming mean, about not knowing. Yeah. You that, can hear it in her voice. Look, listen, listen, uh, just this. I'm going to isolate that part okay. again. You ready? Okay. Who in the fuck took my paperclips? Powerful. Yeah. It's powerful just stuff. really great acting by powerful. Judith O'Day. And, yeah, yeah. Just amazing. With this, Ben goes outside and makes extremely short work of both ghouls by bludgeoning the fuck out of their brain pans with a tire iron. A third makes his way into the house to menace poor Barbara, who has checked out of reality and is saved in the nick of time by badass Ben, who wrestles the ghoul, gets his tire iron knocked out of his hand, he then picks it right back up, and then ruptures the brain of the zombie with a quick stab. And believe me, getting a tire iron in to go through someone's skull is not easy. Yeah. It's not easy at all. How it do takes you know? a lot prison. Okay. This sets up my favorite shot in the entire film where Ben barrels towards the back door to bash a ghoul in the face and as it falls back from the attack that Ben does, we see in frame several more ghouls just walking in at the very outer edges of the frame at the very back with that depth of field just to kind of show how there's just waves and waves of these fucking things coming. Yeah. And it's just completely hopeless and there's no point to staying inside the house. But they do anyway. Well, that's because that's what the radio was telling them to do, but we'll get into that. The dread that is set up by this particular sequence where he just hits one zombie out of the door jam and there's just a like fuckload more of them. There's like a at least 12 just circling yeah. around and they're just coming from you don't know where exactly. walking through and all the noise and everything else that they're making is bringing them all in and it just sets up a dread that is so unparalleled in film you never really feel quite the sense of hopelessness that that one shot really establishes for this movie you f- 
feel isolated, you feel alone, and then you feel surrounded. Yeah. It, and, you know, like, very much like, uh, uh, you know, flies around running meat or something like that. Well, the way that society is going, they very much are going to be the flies around running meat when zombies yeah. come out. That's yes. a good way of analogizing it. All right, Ben gets the door locked, states the Zeds know they are in here now, and deals with the re-deceased bodies with a good bit of fire to scare off or hold the others at bay. And this is the first time where you see that they fear something. And the only time you actually see them fear something. There's this very serious influence of Last Man on Earth or uh, I Am Legend, the novel. Yeah. The Richard Matheson story in this film. Yeah. Particularly the Last Man on Earth interpretation of it. Mm -hmm. And those vampires could be held at bay by fire, so they use that influence. This is the only time you see in the Romero land that fire actually causing fear. They'll go up and fire and die, but in almost every other Romero movie, if you could set a wall of fire and then just stand on the other side of it, if they know you're there, they'll just walk through the Trump fire trying to get to you. Yeah, there's a couple of rules that get abandoned later on, but yeah. it still feels like... I still like this. It's still fun. It's still, I, still, it still fun. feels like a it's different good. kind of interpretation or universe Yeah, maybe between Night of the Living Dead and then what happens with Dawn. Yeah, nobody says Dawn's technically a sequel. I mean, it could be its own thing. We'll, we'll get there. Alright, we'll get there. Alright, so he locks the door, starts looking for tools to board up the place and demands more lights be put on and proceeds to work on boarding up the house. Ben's talking again, motherfuckers, so that's our next clip. (laughs) Get some more lights on in this house. Why don't you see if you can find some wood, some boards, something there by the fireplace, something we can nail this place up. Look, I know you're afraid. I'm afraid too. But we have to try to board the house up together. Now, I'm going to board up the windows and the doors. Do you understand? We'll be all right here. We'll be all right here until someone comes to rescue us. But we'll have to work together. You'll have to help me. Now, I want you to go in and get some wood so I can board the place up. Do you understand? Okay? Okay? Barbara goes on her mission to find some boards, and she does pretty much exactly what he says. Go to the fireplace and try and find some wood or something to help board up the windows. Yeah. But because she's checked out of reality, she just follows the order, but she doesn't do it in a way that would actually be helpful, and we'll get there. But before she gets there, she goes wandering through the house, starts playing with a music box, and again, I wrote in my notes, she has truly gone fishing. Yeah, she's gone. All the while, Ben is fucking TCB, baby. He's pulling the doors down off the hinges and their interior doors. He's getting them put to where they need to be to where he can start fortifying the back door and all these other things that need to be taken care of. He's even working with the claw hammer, pulling off the toe kicks underneath the cabinets to use those boards as well. Motherfucker is like uh, fucking Home Depot in this bitch. It's amazing. It's like he has had to fight off and barricade himself in from, say, like an attack of pigs or something. <laughs> Just saying. Uh, you know, the the time was not friendly to gentlemen uh, such as Ben at that time. What do you mean by such as Ben. I'm trying to say that uh, our African-American friends were not treated very well in the 1960s. Oh yeah, so much has changed. Yeah, it, uh, It's so much better now for them. Yeah, it's still not all that great. <laughs> yeah, 2019 is not very much different than the fucking year that this film was made. It has not changed if much I, at all. If I start seeing, although I'm just going to say this, if I start seeing separate drinking fountains, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> well, he pulls off the toe kick boards, pulls down the doors, and he starts fortifying this piece. Barbara collects shitty kindling that 
that was sitting off to the side of the fireplace, which is exactly what he told her to do. Go to the fireplace, look for some wood to help board up the yeah, doors. I mean, she just took it way too literally. They're two foot by like one foot. They ain't holding shit when he nails it up. Exactly. He might be able to go across the door jams, like to hold a door in place, possibly, but that wood is completely useless. Yes. She then kind of snaps too for a minute and starts helping Ben hold the door as he nails it up. He's like nailing up the back door and trying to keep that from being knocked in. They then dissolve from this into windows and doors boarded up completely in several of the rooms and Ben says that this room is very secure. And well, I said it before and God damn it, I'm going to say it again. Ben's talking. That's our next clip. <laughs> yeah, this room looks pretty secure. If we have to, we can run in here and board up the doors. Won't be long for those things be back pounding their way in here. They're afraid now. They're afraid of fire. I found that out. You know a place back down the road called Beatman's? Beatman's Diner? Anyhow, that's where I found that truck I have out there. There's a radio in the truck. I had jumped in to listen to it when a big gasoline truck came screaming right across the road. With it must have been 10, 15 of those things chasing after it, grabbing and holding on. Now, I didn't see them at first. I could just see that the truck was moving in a funny way. And those things were catching up to it. The truck went right across the road. Slammed on my brakes to keep from hitting it myself. It went right through the guardrail. I guess, I guess the driver must have cut off the road into that gas station by Beekman's Diner. It went right through the billboard, ripped over a gas pump, and never stopped moving. By now, it was like a moving bonfire. Didn't know if the truck was going to explode or what. Still hear the man screaming. This thing is just backing away from it. I looked back at the diner to see if, if there was anyone there who could help me. That was when I noticed that the entire place had been encircled. There wasn't a sign of life left except by now there were no more screams. I realized that I was alone with 50 or 60 of those things just standing there staring at me. I, I started to drive. I just plowed right through them. They didn't move. They didn't run or just stood there staring at me. Just wanted to crush them. They scattered through the air like bugs. We were riding in the cemetery, Johnny and me. Johnny, we, we came to put a wreath on my father's grave. Johnny and, and he said, can I have some candy, Barbara? And we didn't have any. And, oh, it's hot in here, hot. And, and he said, oh, it's late. Why did we start so late? And I said, Johnny, if you'd gotten up earlier, we wouldn't be late. Johnny asked me if I were afraid. And I said, I'm not afraid, Johnny. And then this man started walking up the road. He came slowly and Johnny kept teasing me and saying, he's coming to get you, Barbara. And I laughed at him and said, Johnny, stop it. And then Johnny ran away. And I, I went up to this man and I was going to apologize. Why don't you just keep calm? And I looked up and I said, could he? And he grabbed me. He grabbed me and he ripped at me. He held me and he ripped at my clothes. I think you should just calm down. Oh, oh, I screamed, Johnny! Johnny, help me! Oh, help me! And he wouldn't let me go. He ripped. And then Johnny came and he ran and he 
he fought this man. And I got so afraid, I ran. I ran. I ran. And Johnny didn't come. We've got to, we have to wait for Johnny. Maybe we better go out and get him. We have to go out and get Johnny. He's out there. Please, don't you hear me? We've got to go out and get him. Please! We have got to go get Johnny! Please help me! Please! Don't you know what's going on out there? This is no Sunday school picnic. Don't you understand? My brother is alone! Your brother is dead. No! My brother is not dead! Okay, and with this, Ben pastes one on her. So he hits her in the face. She stands up and she looks at him. And then all of a sudden, she just kind of like goes out and then passes out there. So that's either extremely bad acting or she was out on her feet and was still trying to defend herself before the rest of her body gave out. Or, yeah, probably it was probably that. And she probably wasn't out on her feet, but she probably was just so shocked. She stumbled to sit and then her body was just like, yeah, we're done. <laughs> we're going unconscious after this. Yeah, we need we need a little we need to reboot. All right. So with this, Ben then soaks an armchair in lighter fluid, makes a torch out of one of the table legs that we saw him break off during the earlier clip. And then he drags the chair outside and lights the motherfucker on fire right in front of the zombies to scare them off. And he's doing it with a torch. This scares away said Z and they are scared away just long enough to help them finish up the fortifications to the home. Let's finish the fortification. We see them all finished as the next solve reveals a hardworking Ben uncovering the door to the cellar and the news reports give us more descriptions of the situation of the dead coming to kill that will be sampled heavily by Rob Zombie for decades to come. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big time. Yeah. yeah. And you can hear it in our next clip. But because of the obvious threat to untold numbers of citizens, and because of the crisis which is even now developing, this radio station will remain on the air day and night. This station and hundreds of other radio and TV stations throughout this part of the country are pooling their resources through an emergency network hookup to keep you informed of all developments. At this hour, we repeat, these are the facts as we know them. There is an epidemic of mass murder being committed by a virtual army of unidentified assassins. The murders are taking place in villages, cities, rural homes, and suburbs with no apparent pattern or reason for the slayings. It seems to be a sudden, general explosion of mass homicide. We have some descriptions of the assassin. Eyewitnesses say they are ordinary-looking people. Some say they appear to be in a kind of trance. Others describe them as being... So, at this point, there is no really authentic way for us to say who or what to look for and guard yourself against. Misshapen monsters. Reaction of law enforcement officials is one of complete bewilderment at this hour. So far, we have been unable to determine that any kind of organized investigation is yet underway. Police, sheriff deputies, and emergency ambulances are literally deluged with calls for help. But the scene can best be described as mayhem. Mayors of Pittsburgh, Philadelphia, and Miami, along with the governors of several eastern and midwestern states, have indicated the National Guard may be mobilized at any moment, but that has not happened as yet. The only advice our reporters have been able to get from official sources is for private citizens to stay in their homes behind locked doors. Do not venture outside for any reason until the nature of this crisis has been determined and until we can advise what course of action to take. Keep listening to radio and TV for any special instructions as this crisis develops further. Thousands of office and factory workers are being urged to stay at their places of employment, not to make any attempt to get to their homes. However, in spite of this urging and warning, streets and highways are packed with frantic people trying to reach their families 
or apparently to flee just anywhere. I repeat, the safest course of action at this time is simply to stay where you Okay, so I put together the two pieces of the radio broadcast into one clip there. Yeah. So that actually happens. It starts at one point, and then all the stuff that I described, Ben's action, is what he's doing while that clip is happening. Yeah. And this is all going in the background. So he's not really 100% paying attention to the radio. But if you listen to what that guy has to say and don't just follow around and look at what Ben's doing, uh-huh. shit is getting real bad. Shit's hitting the fan, and nobody in any authority. The, the, the scariest part of that is when they say authorities are in bewilderment. So they're like, that that has to be the worst part because the people who are supposed to be able to do something about this have no idea what to do. Yeah, that's exactly how it's going to be whenever something goes bad. Anyone who tries to tell you different is delusional. Yes. Yeah. And and, and honestly, we've always talked about this. Those are some of my favorite parts of these movies. Yeah. That well, that George Romero has included. Now, I don't get it so much with Day, but in a lot of movies, they incorporate It's all over news. with Day, so he has to do it with dialogue with people just casually talking about how yeah. things have changed since they hit the bunker. Exactly. Um, Don takes that idea and runs with it so beautifully as an entire opening sequence. You never feel because the for me and night uh, the newscasts actually give me comfort. Like you know, well, they're supposed to because you see people be, working yeah, on the yeah, problem. Yeah. Oh, yeah. okay. And you know, no one else. Everyone's aware of what's going on. You're not alone. And things you know, you don't feel so alone or isolated. You have evacuation points where you could possibly be safe if you get there. And that's why I love. Good God, I'm talking about Don already, and I should be sticking tonight. But just on the news thing, I love Don for when they lose that finally. Yeah, it feel like you can't get any more TV, you can't get any anything else. Right, it, you feel alone. You feel like it's actually fucking over. Well, and if you actually pay attention to the things that are being said in the news reports, yeah, while people are working together and trying to get the problem solved, yeah, you can actually hear in the news reports. There's little breadcrumbs left behind that Romero kind of dropped out where they are slowly losing this battle throughout the night. Yeah. And they are actually pretending like they've got a handle on it. Mm-hmm. It is something that's in the dialogue and you can hear it in the news reports, especially in the background when the people aren't paying attention. Yeah. You can actually hear when they're like, we were telling you before that you needed to stay, but now we're telling you to go. Yeah. And then the people notice that that's being said. Well, one of the best examples of this is if you actually really kind of try to listen to all the staticky stuff at the very end of the movie. Yes. There's even more stuff like that. Too. All, all of that is also pure panic yeah it's, it's getting people worse. on the radio who are panicking now yeah it's getting much much so it's, worse so it's everything's getting worse and i'm going to actually grab that out of the movie and put that at the very end of the I episode fucking, it's one of the best ways to end a movie ever yeah but we're not there but yet. we're not there yet. i'm no i know i'm just as ben pops the door off of its hinges he nails it up to block out a window and then he stops to sit down and take a smoke break he starts searching through some closets where he finds a really kick-ass old west style lever action hunting rifle this thing is awesome oh yeah man it's a fucking beautiful antique that's the that's the terminator 2 style <laughs> rifle if he sold it I, off yeah and it was a shotgun sure was it a shotgun though remember in t2 because he had to do it's yeah but flip. why would you saw off that fucking gun yeah i know i was just saying it. it was the same kind of the lever the action lever action yeah. yeah and it's still fucking wrong you should never saw off a rifle like that yeah the whole point of a rifle is accuracy not concealability exactly <laughs> and he begins looking for shells in that same closet after finding that kick-ass lever action hunting rifle and he ends up finding a whole like what two or three boxes of shells in one
one like shoebox or something like that. I think it is. Might have been four boxes of shells. Yeah, he found a lot of shells. I counted at least three. Yeah. I'm guessing that Ben starts talking again because we're up to our next clip. Oh, well, okay. Similar killings have been reported around the Houston and Galveston areas, but nothing like that. I found a gun and some bullets out there. It was only late yesterday. Oh, and these. It became clear we were facing some kind of national emergency. When first reports began filtering in, newsmen and law enforcement agencies were of the opinion... This place is boarded up pretty solid now. In nature. However, as these... We ought to be all right here for a while. Dramatically, it was soon apparent that we have a gun and bullets, run of lawlessness. food and the radio. Sooner or later, someone's bound to come and get us out. Creatures from outer space. So again, we join with law enforcement agencies... Hey, that's us. We're doing all right. Look, I don't know if you're hearing me, but I'm going upstairs now. If anything should try to break in here, I can hear it from up there. I'll be down to take care of it. Everything is all right for now. I'll be back to reinforce the windows and doors later. But you'll be all right for now, okay? Okay. Civil defense officials in Cumberland have told newsmen that murder victims show evidence of having been partially devoured by their murderers. Consistent reports from witnesses to the effect that people who acted as though they were in a kind of trance were killing and eating their victims prompted authorities to examine the bodies of some of the victims. Medical authorities in Cumberland have concluded that in all cases... The killers are eating the flesh of the people they murdered. Repeating this latest bulletin just received moments ago from Cumberland, Maryland, civil defense authorities have told newsmen that murder victims show evidence of having been partially devoured by their murderers. Medical examination of victims' bodies shows conclusively that the killers are eating the flesh of the people they kill. And so this incredible story becomes more ghastly with each report. It's difficult to imagine such a thing actually happening, but these are the reports we have been receiving and passing on to you. Reports which have been verified as completely as is possible in this confused situation. It is happening, and it would appear that no one is safe from this. Hold it! Don't shoot! Hold it! We're from town! A radio! County, Pennsylvania. The Butler County Sheriff has verified that reports of murder victims being partially eaten by their slayers is true. No further details available at this time. However, my well, you guys been down there. I could use some help up here. That's the cellar. It's the safest place. You mean you didn't hear the racket was making up here? How were we supposed to know what was going on? Could have been those things for all we knew. That girl was screaming. Sure, you must know what a girl screaming sounds like. Those things don't make any noise. Anybody would know somebody ever needed help. Look, it's kind of hard to hear what's going on from down there. We thought we could hear screams, but... For all we knew, that could have meant those things were in the house afterward. And you wouldn't come up and help? Well, if there were more... The racket sounded like the place was being ripped apart. How were we supposed to know what was going on? Now, wait a minute. You just got finished saying you couldn't hear from down there. Now you say it sounded like the place was being ripped apart. It would be nice if you'd get your story straight, man. All right, now you tell me. I'm not going to take that kind of a chance when we got a safe place. We luck into a safe place, and you're telling us we got to risk our lives just because somebody might need help, huh? Yeah, something like that. All right, why don't we settle this? Oh, Mister, we came up. Okay, we're here. Now I suggest we all go back downstairs before any of those things find out we're in here. They can't get in here. You got the whole place boarded up? Yeah, most of it. 
I'll put a few spots upstairs. They won't be hard to fix. You are insane. The cellar is the safest place. I'm telling you, they can't get in here. And I'm telling you, those things turned over our car. We were damn lucky to get away at all. Now, you tell me those, those things can't get through this lousy pile of wood? His wife and kids down on stairs. The kids hurt. Well, I still think we're better off up here. We could strengthen everything up, Mr. Cooper. With all of us working, we can fix this place up in no time. We have everything we need up here. We can take all that stuff downstairs with us. Man, you're really crazy, you know that? You got a million windows up here. All these windows, you're gonna, you're gonna make them strong enough to keep these things out, huh? I told you, those things don't have any strength. I smashed three of them and pushed another one out the door. Did you hear me when I told you they turned over our car? Oh, hell, any good five men can do that. That's my point. Only there's not going to be five or even ten. There's going to be twenty, thirty, maybe a hundred of those things. And as soon as they know we're here, this place is going to be crawling with them. Well, if they're that many, they'll probably get us wherever we are. Look, the cellar. The cellar, there's only one door, right? Just one door, that's all we have to protect. Tom and I fixed it so it locks and boards from the inside. But up here, all these windows, why, we'd never know where they were going to hit us next. You got a point, Mr. Cooper. But down in the cellar, there's no place to run to. I mean, if they did get in, there'd be no back exit. We'd be done for. Uh... We can get out of here if we have to. And we got windows to see what's going on outside. But down there with no windows, if a rescue party did come, we wouldn't even know it. But the cellar is the strongest place. The cellar is a death trap. I don't know, Mr. Cooper. I think he's right. You know how many's out there? I don't know. Maybe six or seven. Look. You two can do whatever you like. I'm going back down to the cellar, and you better decide, because I'm going to board up that door, and I'm not going to unlock it again, no matter what happens. Now, wait a minute, Mr. Cooper. No, I'm not going to wait. I've made my decision, now you make yours. Now, wait a minute. Let's think about this. We can make it to the cellar if we have to. And if we do decide to stay down there, we'll need some things from up here. So let's at least consider this a while. If you box yourself in the cellar and those things get in the house, you've had it. At least up here you have a fighting chance. Yeah, it looks like about eight or ten out there now. There's more than there were. There are a lot out back, too. Harry? It's all right. Harry, what's happening? It's, it's all right. Oh, boy. Yeah, that was a long clip, but there's a lot of story going on in that that we needed to kind of let go with the uh, Coopers showing up and uh, Tommy, who, by the way, was some kind of a pop star in Pittsburgh at the time. Oh, was he? Yeah, he had like a couple of hits or something like that. But, you know, pretty boy and everything. Not much of an actor. Yeah. He was basically like the Donovan of Pittsburgh. <laughs> I, I, thought, guess. I thought he did a pretty good job. Yeah. Strongest actors are your two main characters that show up. Yeah. Barbara and obviously Ben. Yeah. Ben is an amazing actor. Yeah. He really the is. The guy who plays Ben is amazing at it. It's Dwayne Jones. I don't even have to look it up. <laughs> I'm looking it up anyway. Uh, it's Dwayne yep, Jones. It is. It is. Okay. So those two actors are the ones that have to carry the film for the bulk of it. And then when the Coopers show up and then Judy Rose, who I can't remember that actress's name. Judith either. Ridley. Judith Ridley. Yes. She was in the There's Always Vanilla movie. Remember we were talking about? Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And I revealed how I had such a crush on her from this movie. Yes. Well, there you go. Although I, I love uh, the the Harry, the husband, uh, that actor. I thought he did a really awesome job as being a prick. Uh, Coop. 
Cooper and Helen are actually a married couple in real life. Really? They're one of the four people that were responsible for Image 10, and they still have, at least um, as of a few years ago, they still have a goodly amount of items that came from this movie or that were screen used in this movie and they have a collection of. And I guess that they basically lived off of selling some of these pieces to fans over time. Nice. But mostly they just keep the collection because. Yeah. There was an elite DVD that shows their collection with photos and then the actual props and all of that kind of stuff from this movie and it was Mm -hmm. pretty amazing. That's awesome. All right. So at the end of the clip, whenever they start arguing and all this stuff is happening, we actually see that there's a mass of ghouls that are foraging forwards and I cut out the sequence where they're cutting off the fingers of the ghoul that's trying to grab Dwayne Jones's Ben and pull him through the window Yep. because I really like that sequence but it's all visual and it doesn't do anything for the clip. It is still really cool though. And it's sandwiched in there where they're arguing and everything. I like the sounds of him whacking the fingers off. Right and I love the sequence where right after he stops and realizes holy shit I just chopped the shit out of this whole hand Yeah. and they're just now pulling the hand away and he's horrified at what he's just done Yeah. and the person doesn't bleed. And he's also more horrified that they keep the hand is still trying to get to him. Yeah. Even though he's mutilated the whole thing and it takes forever before it pulls away. And that's demoralizing. It's like wow I just wrecked it. You have no fingers left and you don't care. Yeah that's really fucking demoralizing. You're right. With this we see a mass of ghouls foraging towards the house including a naked dead woman so thank you movie. Uh, Dude. She looked pretty fresh to me Matt. Oh no man. But the naked dead woman actually had a rather nice body. It was kind of a nice surprise for a 1968 film. What a nice bottom. Yeah, and you do see the front if you really pay attention. Yeah. Particularly in this Criterion scan. Mm-hmm. The, the redone 4K scan that Criterion did. Yeah. It looks so wonderful that I saw everything. If you know what I'm saying. <laughs> and that's kind of the only thank you movie that I got out of this. I think so, yeah. Yeah. And Matt's saying no, that's not a thank you movie because she's dead. Yeah. And she's, yeah, because no, she's eh. a corpse. Eh, six of one half dozen of the other. All right. And then we see a woman actually eat a mouse off of a tree. Now, do you know who that woman was that eats the mouse? The, Z- the Zed right there? No, who is that? Same actress who plays Helen Cooper. Really? Yes. You know, now that you mention it, yeah. Yeah, I can see that. Cooper and Ben continue to argue over going to the cellar versus staying upstairs and fortifying it. There's more of that stuff. And then Cooper wants to take Barbara with him down the stairs and also some food. What makes you think he wanted to take Barbara down the stairs for? You know, nothing nefarious because I don't get that feeling from him, but uh-huh. you put that feeling on everybody because, you know, you're you. Uh, <laughs> I think it's... I think under the surface, we all are evil and just yeah. waiting for an opportunity. I think he's uh, a, a control freak, though, and he feels like, you know, I'm the man here. I'm I'm the man's man. You know, I have a boy, and then, you know, you, you know, a young man who and then he can feels like he can probably boss around, and then there's Ben, who's, a, you know, a man, but he probably feels better than him for 1968 reasons. Uh, I don't get the feeling that Cooper's distaste for Ben has anything to do with race. Yeah. Unless he's one of those like subtle racists because it's a black man telling him what to do. He's angry. I guarantee you that's it. Uh, He's a very subtle racist. But in the end, I think he's more of a control freak. And so he wants... I think he's scared Everyone. out of his mind and panicking. Yeah. And he's just lashing out at the nearest thing that makes him and concentrate it, on it, something else. And it also is in the 1960s. And even assholes believed in women and children first. So he might be thinking, I got to protect this woman now, too. I have a child and now two and three women to protect. And I've got this guy who's not listening to me about the upstairs being, you know, a death trap. Death Valley. Even though the and, downstairs is also a death trap. Yeah. And uh, this kid who was listening to me and now he's not, you know. 
know, because I'm sure that kid defaulted to Cooper. Oh, he's a beta male for sure. Yeah. Like his whole thing is like, who's the, who in the wolf pack can I follow? And it was Cooper. And then Cooper now senses that he dropped down to possibly Zed Wolf. Yeah, right. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Okay. So he wants to take Barbara with him downstairs and then some food as well. Ben states very matter of factly that he is fighting for the food and the radio and anything else that's upstairs. And if Cooper wants to go down to the basement and lock them out like he threatened in the clip, then he's going to lose all access to all the upstairs stuff because that's what he's fighting for. And that's Ben's stuff. So basically what Ben is saying is he runs this anarchy. You, you can't run anarchy. That That's a, not a thing. Why is it's it? It's a thing. No, it's not, Dave. It's a thing. Dave, it's not. It's a thing. David, you're starting to piss me off. It's a thing. Dave, will you stop, please? It's a thing. God damn it, Dave. It's a thing. David! <laughs> I love that I have you arguing with Dave now. <laughs> yeah, and once Cooper goes down to the basement, he loses everything once he's in that cellar. Before Cooper barricades it, the very lovely Judy Rose is called upstairs, and Tommy tries to talk Cooper into working with them. Ben rallies the troops, and Cooper argues, because that's pretty much all he does in this movie, Yeah, with his wife about the various choices that he made. They both are very concerned about their daughter, because regardless of how much they dislike each other in this whole film, Yes. The husband and wife have been having some problems for a while, and you get the feeling that they're staying together because it's 1968, and, and yeah. they have a daughter that they have to keep up appearances for. Yes. Now, the daughter has definitely been bitten by a ghoul, which they have no idea what the fuck that means right now, but we do. Oh, we all know what's going to happen. Oh, Although, we totally know. the first time watching this, you didn't know. Maybe. It depends if you've seen anything having to do with zombies before. Well, I meant like a big 1968, you didn't know. Or if you've never seen anything having to do with zombies and then you watch this, you didn't know. Yeah. Yeah. All right, so this frustration leads to an obvious need for a marriage counselor between the two of them, as I already mentioned. There is a moment where Helen is bagging on Cooper hardcore, and then he shoots her a look, and it even seems that she is shut up because he might actually hit her with the look that he shoots her. Did you see that? Yeah. You noticed that this time? Yeah. You never I never noticed that. it before. I always thought that like she wore the pants in the family, well, but he gives her a look like he will hit her if she doesn't stop, but and she looks thing. instantly terrified. And that it. looks like that's the first time she's ever gotten that look. But but she's also probably never dressed him down in public. One. I don't think on. that's the first time she's ever wait, gotten wait. that look. I think Cooper's a wife beater. No, see, I don't think so. I don't think he's a wife beater because I don't think he has the backbone. You know, he doesn't have any backbone for violence at all. Like, he has nothing in him for... Violence doesn't require backbone. It just well, requires lashing out in anger. See, I don't think he has that. Well, I think I think he does. No, no, I think he's just type, a horrible no, no. coward. No, here's the type of man... Like all wife beaters. Yeah, here's the type of man Cooper is. Cooper's the type of man where she when she says well i just don't know about this honey he goes whatever and he storms out of the house and then he doesn't come back for like a few hours until she's asleep he works the heavy bag and buys her a hat yeah yeah and he doesn't even buy her stuff he probably just goes to the bar gets drunk and like passes out on his couch <laughs> he's like he can't even he's not even a wife beater because he's too, too sp- repressed even for that too yeah i mean he's just like i'm just you know probably cooper thought i'm gonna get married uh i'll have my kids uh I'll never have to talk to my wife or my kids. She'll just do the raising. I'll go to work, come home, and everyone will just be good. And when life got messy, as life does, he doesn't know how to handle it, and he just shuts down. But now, this is the first time she has dressed him down in a life-threatening situation, you know, of, of like, monumental proportions. And I'm sure that's the, the reason why she quieted down, is because that's the first time she's gotten that look. I get your point of view. I just strongly disagree with you, because I feel Ben Cooper is a wife-beating piece of shit. Ben finds a TV 
and brings the Coopers upstairs and sweet Judy Rose goes down to look after little Karen Cooper. They get the TV situated and they receive a broadcast. Once again, more Rob Zombie clips in our next clip. This place is ridiculous. Look at this. There's a million weak spots up here. Give me one of those. Her brother was killed. And they talk about these windows. I can't see a damn thing. There could be 50 million of those things out there. That's how much good these windows are. Why don't you do something to help somebody? Here, I have it. Drag a couple of those chairs together. There's a socket over here. Now you better watch this and try to understand what's going on. I don't want anyone's life on my hands. Is there anything I can do to I don't want to hear any more from you, mister. If you stay up here, you take orders from me. And that includes leaving the girl alone. It's on, it's on. There's no sound. Play with the rabbit ears. It's incredible as they seem are not the results of mass hysteria. Mass hysteria. What do they think we're imagining all this? Shut up! In all parts of the country, the wave of murder which is sweeping the eastern third of the nation is being committed by creatures who feast upon the flesh of their victims. First eyewitness accounts of this grisly development came from people who were understandably frightened and almost incoherent. Officials and newsmen at first discounted those eyewitness descriptions as being beyond belief. However, the reports persisted. The medical examinations of some of the victims bore out the fact that they had been partially devoured. I think we have some late word of just arriving, and I'll interrupt to bring this to you. This is the latest disclosure in a report from National Civil Defense Headquarters in Washington. It has been established that persons who have recently died have been returning to life and committing acts of murder. A widespread investigation of reports from funeral homes morgues and hospitals has concluded that the unburied dead are coming back to life and seeking human victims. It's hard for us here to believe what we're reporting to you, but it does seem to be a fact. When this emergency first began, radio and television was advising people to stay inside, behind locked doors for safety. Well, that situation has now changed. and We're able to report a definite course of action for you. Civil defense machinery has been organized to provide rescue stations with food, shelter, medical treatment, and protection by armed National Guardsmen. Stay tuned to the broadcasting stations in your local area for this list of rescue stations. This list will be repeated throughout our news coverage. Look for the name of the rescue station nearest you and make your way to that location as soon as possible. So we have that truck. If we can get some gas, we can get out of here. There's a pump out by the shed. I know that's why I pulled in here, but it's locked. Emergency meeting called this afternoon by the president. Since convening, this conference of the presidential cabinet, the FBI, the Joint Chiefs of Staff, the CIA, has not produced any public information. Why are space experts being consulted about an Earth-bound emergency? So far, all the betting on the answer to that question centers on the recent Explorer satellite shot to Venus. That satellite, you'll recall, started back to Earth, but never got here. That's the space vehicle which orbited Venus and then pur was purposely destroyed by NASA when scientists discovered it was carrying a mysterious high-level radiation with it. Could that radiation be somehow responsible for the wholesale murders we're now suffering? Newsman Don Quinn in Washington has posed those questions. It's obvious our best move is to try to get out of here. How are you going to get over to that pump? Look! You're coming from a meeting regarding the explosion of the Venus probe, is that right? Uh, yes, yes, that was the uh, subject of the meeting. You feel there is a connection between this and the there's phenomenon? A, there's a definite connection. 
a definite connection. In other oh, words, no. you feel that the radiation on the Venus probe is enough to call these, cause these mutations? There was a very high degree of radiation. Well, just a minute. Uh, uh, I'm not sure that that's certain at all. I don't but think that has been a logical explanation that we have at this time. In other words, it is the military's viewpoint that the radiation is not the cause of the mutation. I can't speak for the entire military at this time, gentlemen. This seems to I be. must disagree with these gentlemen presently until we, uh, until this is irrefutably proved. Uh, everything is uh, being done that can be done. We'll have to hurry for our next meeting. And Professor, you feel that there is a definite connection between them? Definite the... connection as far uh, as Dr. Keller and myself. Doctor, please. I, I thought we decided that is not proved yet. But, uh, was, it, proved. was the satellite, when the satellite was, was exploded? an unusual amount of radiation, enough to cause mutation it under certain circumstances. Could have uh, happened yeah, to have, have a bearing on it. It does seem to have a bearing. Yes. Will, will, there be a, will there be a reply for, this, for the... Later. Yes. There will be a reply. Yes. Later this afternoon. Will there... There will, be a, there will be a report this afternoon. Well, perhaps there will yes, be a report, yes. a, a mobile Later. report. Will you close the window? We are close doing everything possible to solve the problem. We're hoping to get some further explanation of this. We've heard all we need to know. We have to try to get out of here. He said the rescue stations have doctors and medical supplies. If we could get Karen there, we could get help for her. No, it's one of the world's foremost authorities on space science and technology. Willard. I saw a sign that said Willard. It's only about 17 miles from here. You know this area. You from around here? Judy and I are both from around here. We were on our way up to the lake to go swimming. And Judy had a radio, and we heard the first reports about this. So we knew the old house was here, and we came in and found the lady upstairs dead. Then these other people came. We went down into the basement and put a bar across the door, and it is pretty strong. How could we possibly get away from here? We've got a sick child, two women, one woman out of her head, three men, and the place is surrounded with these things. Dr. Grimes, your entire staff, I know, has been working very hard to find some solution to these things that are happening. Do you have any answers at this time? Yes, we have some answers. Uh, but first, let me stress the importance of seeking medical attention for anyone who's been injured in any way. We don't know yet uh, what complications might result from such injuries. How bad has your kid been hurt? Good advice, Doctor. Now, how about the basic problem um, of Well, Look, you go down there and tell... So now, Judy, yeah, you tell Judy to come up here and you stay with the kid, all right? In the cold room at the university, uh, we had a cadaver. A cadaver from uh, which all four limbs had been amputated. Sometime early this morning, it opened its eyes and began to move its trunk. It was dead, but it opened its eyes and tried to move. They watch upstairs. Did she ask for me? She had to do anything. I don't understand. Baby, it's mommy. I heard. I'll come back down as soon as I find out what they want. Thank you, Judy. The body should be disposed of at once, preferably by cremation. Well, how long after death, then, does the body become reactivated? It's only a matter of minutes. Minutes? Well, that doesn't give people time to make any arrangements. Oh, you're right. It doesn't give them time to make funeral arrangements. The bodies must be carried to the street and, and, and burned. Uh, they must be burned immediately. Soak them with gasoline and burn them. The bereaved will have to forego the dubious comforts that a funeral service will give. Uh, they're just dead flesh and dangerous. I see. Judy, I need you to find some beds, friends, or sheets to tear up into small strips, okay? Is there a fruit cellar here? Yes. We need some bottles or jars to make Molotov cocktails and hold them up while we try to escape. Hey, there's a big can of kerosene down there. I'll see what I can find. I'll look for the bottles. 
There's a big key ring down there. There may be a key to the gas pump on it. I'll check. We can toss the cocktails from a window upstairs. Meantime, a couple of us can go out and try to get the gas and come back for the rest of the people. But that'll leave a door open someplace. Yeah, that's right. It better be this door. It's closer to the truck. Before we go out with some supplies behind the cellar door, while we're gone, the rest of you can hold up in there. I found some fruit jars in the cellar. And there's a key on here that's labeled for the gas pump out back. And I'm not really that used to the truck. I found it abandoned. I can handle the truck, no sweat. You're it, then. You and I'll go. We'll put whatever lumber we find behind the cellar door. You can go upstairs and toss the cocktails from a window. Tom, you and I will have to unboard this door. After you toss the cocktails, you hustle back down here and lock this door. It's no good to board it up because we'll have to get back in quickly. After we get the gas and get back into the house, then we'll worry about getting everybody into the truck. Okay, so good old Uncle George was actually one of the reporters that was interrogating that whole science panel and kept pushing the doctor, whatever he was a doctor of, the science expert guy that was there with the military, kept pushing him for more information. And you could tell the doctor's like, yes, it's radiation. This is bad. The dead are rising. Get the fuck out. We're getting out. You get the fuck out. And then the general's like, no, we agreed we wouldn't talk about that because of mass panic. Hey, Washington seemed to be running pretty smoothly. (laughs) Yeah, because they never do anything. So therefore, nothing has changed while this is all happening. Yeah, I'm just saying, though. I mean, it doesn't look like the dead were on the streets yet. And this sequence where Tommy's actually talking in there where he's like, yeah, then we, you know, boarded up the cellar and uh, it's pretty solid and everything. His acting is super flat there. And that's the part I always remember. Uh-oh. It drives me nuts. So this is the plan that they're about to execute. They're going to basically lob Maltov cocktails out the window from above to scare off the ghouls and try and get it around the truck without setting the truck on fire. And then they're going to get in the truck. Tommy's going to drive. Ben's going to be working the torch and the gun and then they're going to go to the gas pump and get gas in the truck yes now they said something about coming back to get the girl or whoever was injured and then get out and then everybody else goes in the cellar and boards themselves in no 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 he did say that he said we're going to put food and extra boards behind the door and you guys can haul up in the cellar he does say Uh, that in the clip because he said we'll worry about getting the truck filled up with gas then we'll worry about how we'll get everyone out of the house later yeah but he knows it's a truck and they're going to probably try and get the injured girl to help yeah and then they were either going to come back or they were going to send people back and he does say to hold up in the cellar there at the very end. Right. It was a long ass fucking clip. There was a lot of information in there yeah, but no, it right? was in there. <laughs> That's one of the things where I was always like, wait, what are you doing now? Because it, he like yeah. he changes the plan midway through what they're doing. I think he just wants to try and get the fuck out. Yeah. Which is not necessarily a bad idea considering what the TV just said you needed to do. Let's get the fuck out. Although it doesn't seem like going to rescue stations just kind of makes it a smorgasbord meal at that point. It's like kind a of. fucking buffet. Sure, why not? Now the plans being executed Juicy Rose is cutting up the strips as she's being told to do and lit very lovely and looking quite lovely while she does it they really wanted to make her some kind of a starlet in this oh I think so yeah now she's looking for some kind of reassurance and comfort from Tom while they're talking about this and he has absolutely no idea how to make her feel safe and secure he literally undercuts every question that she has to ask and he's even just trying to like reassure her but everything that he does just makes it worse where he's like no honey you don't need to worry about that they're clearly already dead so we can't stop them no matter what and they're always going to be more than them than there are of us and any of us that dies honey they're going to become one of them honey unless we die in some fiery crash you're going to become one of them okay so just you know and you know we don't even know i mean your brain might survive and you could become one of them but too burnt to move and how horrible would that be but i mean come on what are the chances we're going to get into a fiery crash fuck up soldier she asks if they are doing the right thing and then tommy does the one thing right to assure her and he tells her that story about how they were 
you know, basically going to be stuck in the flood and she didn't want to leave. She wanted to stay during that. And that, you know, they're facing a never ending horde, which is the party fucks up. But he's like, you remember when it was about the flood and you didn't want to leave and we had to convince you. And then it turns out it was like, this is the same kind of situation. Yeah. He then embraces her and asks her the least misogynistic thing in the world and to just have a nice smile for him. <laughs> just give me a smile. Smile. I was so waiting for him to be like, you know, you're much prettier when you smile, honey. Can uh, you smile for me? It'll uh, make right? me feel better. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> oh. All right. So they then kiss and he walks off and they then execute the plan to try and escape. They talk Barbara into going to the cellar basically by promising her if she goes down there, they'll be able to get out. They pull off the boards and head outside using torches and Molotov cocktails to scare off the dead as we were talking about. Judy gets suckered into leaving in some way, shape or form. I think she just panics and doesn't want to be without Tommy. Yeah. I think she'd rather be dead with Tommy than alive in the basement without him and just Mr. Cooper hanging around. She is his security blanket kind of or he is her security blanket i tend to think of them as the ride or die couple uh, that's true that's good like too. they're going to be in it together no matter what as yeah. far as judy's concerned yeah and i love the moment that she does there where she stops judy rose stops looks around at the zombies and realizes the situation and the danger she's just put herself in yeah and is so terrified she just pauses and it's not until cooper does the cowardly thing and slams the door shut on her and locks it yeah that she snaps to and is like she gets pissed at him for doing that you can see it in her eyes and then she turns around and darts to the truck to be with Tommy. I also wanted to point out, Cooper works a Molotov cocktail like a freedom fighter before he turns right back into being a complete coward and locking Judy out. He's got an arm on him. Yeah, the dude knows how to lob a Molotov cocktail like he, he has all, been anti-fashion. I bet he was all state when he was younger. I think he was a quarterback. I think there was a time when he was anti-fascist yeah. and he was it, lobbing it, it Molotovs was, to bring down the system. Well, <laughs> then then he, he sold out. Yeah, and that's why he's a horrible wife-beating coward now. Um, he's not beating his wife telling you he doesn't know how it's a thing it's not a thing <laughs> but i will say this and that's another reason why he's always pissed off i guarantee he was all like state in high school that's why he can like you know wing those things he knows how to pass but he never made it in college so he never had a pro career <laughs> probably because in his high school he never had to face anybody that was actually better at sports yeah, i know he's in like some small district yeah and like he was all district but the district sucked yeah but he didn't know it that consisted he of two schools and all he had to do was win one game and back then there's no internet no way of knowing so your little district is your whole world <laughs> you think you're the best all right so judy's locked out she hops in the truck and ben hops into the very back and they drag ass out of there in extremely slow motion for someone who knows how to handle a truck tommy is driving excessively slow yeah man he sucks at this but i think it's so the zombies can crowd the truck and it can look scary and they don't have to worry about the people getting hurt while they're doing it Stop ruining the movie magic. But it looks cool. Yeah. They get to the pump. The key doesn't work, but Ben is a badass and shoots the lock off like an old west fucking cowboy. Man, it would have been a great he shoots that and just they all burn up and die. Spoiler alert for the 90s version. Oh, yeah, right. Anyway, Tommy is a complete fucking spaz and spills gas everywhere, including all over the torch, lighting the entirety of the truck on fire. He drives it off with Judy inside. They try to flee the truck before it explodes. Judy's jacket is caught, just like in Heaven Can wait or whatever the fuck that movie was with the drag racing and the guardian angel yeah right <laughs> i can't remember and the truck explodes killing them both which we already kind of alluded to that they would have a fiery death and that was the thing he was going to try and reassure her wasn't going to happen come on kiddo listen how many times do you see people die in a fiery car crash hardly ever you get a brief moment where Dwayne jones plays it as though ben is losing his shit and he's going to give up hope but he immediately regroups caps a few motherfucking zombies then holds them at bay with a torch 
and he works his way back to the house like a badass, surrounded by them. Oh, yeah. Cooper won't let him in and is trying to hide by the stairs, so Ben kicks in the motherfucking front door to see Cooper just cowering off to the side. He helps Ben nail up the door, the one thing Cooper does right in this whole fucking entire movie. Yeah. Then Ben kicks the fuck out of Cooper like it was his week and makes him his bitch. Oh, yeah. Beats the shit out of him. Basically for leaving him out there to die and also for what he did with Judy and just in general, this has been a long time coming. Yeah. He beats on Cooper like Cooper beats on his wife. Cooper probably doesn't beat his wife. I'm just saying he's soft. He's too soft to beat anything. A feeding frenzy ensues over the corpses of Judy and Tommy, gut munching and everything, and I can only imagine how shocking that must have been in 68. I know, but I'm just telling you right now, I bet that was good barbecue. (laughs) They even make a joke about that when they come by (laughs) with the uh, chief and all of his group. All right, so Ben has a serious crisis of faith as Karen comes up talking about the broadcast that will be happening by 3 a.m. Ben asks about their car, where the nearest car may be. The Coopers talk about how the child was injured and they reveal that she was bitten to the rest of the group. Barbara keeps talking about her car and how Johnny has the keys. The group sees the feeding frenzy outside, which completely demoralizes them, and this is where they lose. Anytime it deals with zombies, they don't get the psychological terror of knowing that you exist, they just hunger for you. Yes. All you have is a constant reminder of their presence, regardless of how safe your fortification may be. Mm-hmm. Eventually, it will wear you down. Uh-huh. The next broadcast offers more of the same advice, which is pretty much no advice at all, in our next clip. Being monitored closely by scientists at all the radiation detection stations. At this hour, they report the level of the mysterious radiation continues to increase steadily. So long as this situation remains, government spokesmen warn that dead bodies will continue to be transformed into the flesh-eating ghouls. All persons who die during this crisis, from whatever cause, will come back to life to seek human victims unless their bodies are first disposed of by cremation. Our news cameras have just returned from covering such a search-and-destroy operation against the ghouls, this one conducted by Sheriff Conan McClellan in Butler County, Pennsylvania. So now let's go to that film report. All law enforcement agencies and the military have been organized to search out and destroy the marauding ghouls. The Survival Command Center at the Pentagon has disclosed that a ghoul can be killed by a shot in the head or a heavy blow to the skull. Officials are quoted as explaining that since the brain of a ghoul has been activated by the radiation, the plan is kill the brain and you kill the ghoul. What do you think from the supply wagon, Gus? Uh, no, we're all right. Hey, Gus, put that thing all the way in the fire. We don't want it getting up again. Chief, Chief McClellan, how's everything going? Oh, things aren't going too bad. Men are taking it pretty good. You want to get on the other side of the road over there? Chief, do you think we'll be able to defeat these things? Well, we killed 19 of them today right in this area. Those last three we caught trying to claw their way into an abandoned shed. They must have thought somebody was in there. There wasn't, though. We heard them making all kind of noise. We came over and beat them off, blasted them down. Chief, as soon as you're finished, can I see you here? Yeah, okay. Chief, uh, if I were surrounded by six or eight of these things, would I stand a chance with them? Well, there's no problem. If you had a gun, shoot them in the head. That's a sure way to kill them. If you don't, get yourself a club or a torch. Beat them or burn them. They go up pretty easy. Well, Chief McClellan, how long do you think it will take you until you get the situation under control? Well, that's pretty hard to say. We don't know how many of them there are. We know when we find them, we can kill them. Are they slow moving, Chief? Yeah, they're dead. They're all messed up. Well, uh, in time, would you say you ought to be able to wrap this up in 24 hours? Well, 
We don't really know. We know we'll be into it most of the night, probably into the early morning. We're working our way toward Willard, and we'll team up with the National Guard over there, and then we'll be able to give a more definite view. Thank you very much, Chief McClellan. This is Bill Cardill, WIC TV 11 News. Thank you, Bill, for that report. Official spokesmen declined to speculate just how long it may take to kill off all the flesh eaters. Is the fuse box in the cellar? I don't know. I, it isn't the fuse. The power lines are down. Helen, I have to get that gun. Haven't you had enough? What? Two people are dead already on account of that guy. Take a look out that window. Well, then, that line that she says of haven't you had enough, yeah. that makes me feel like, yes, she really does get pasted one every now and then, and she's happy to know that her husband got the shit kicked out of him for once. Yeah, I still don't believe it. <laughs> We're running out of time. We can't argue about can't this. Can't keep gonna arguing be, about that. It's going to be a long fucking episode regardless. This starts the advanced tool user phase of the zombie attack, where the dead start picking up rocks, bits of wood, clubs, the legs left behind that were formerly torches whenever they go out, and they start smashing their way into the house. Everyone but Cooper tries to reinforce the boards. Cooper grabs the gun, demands that Helen get in the cellar. Ben grabs the gun. Cold cocks Cooper. Ben shoots Cooper in cold blood. Dick move, Ben. I know he was pissing you off, but still. Yeah. Also, also, he didn't just shoot him. He shot him in the stomach. Yeah, he got Which shot. Which is him. like, oh my god, to that's make like the him worst suffer. one. Yeah, yeah, that's a really evil, hateful thing. And the yeah. look in Ben's eyes. Yep. He has had enough, and he's going to make this man suffer. Yep. He intentionally gut shots him to make him suffer. That's fucked up. Yeah. Helen gets ghoul groped. That's my new phrase for yep. whenever yep. a zombie grabs you through a door. As Cooper falls down the stairs from his gunshot wound, and he ends up going to check on his daughter as he is dying. He pretty much falls over dead before he even gets to her. Yeah. That was pretty cool. That was that was a pretty cool acting job of dying. He doesn't even get one moment of peace to say goodbye to his daughter. He nope. dies before he can get to her. Yep. You can hear the dead throw crashing about in the background, particularly in this restored version that Criterion did. The sound is amazing. Yeah, it is. It's really good. Yeah, headphones make this much more terrifying. It's way eerie. Cut to Helen still being ghoul-groped as Barbara snaps to in order to help. She slams a board in place, which ends up saving Helen and somehow keeps the arms off of her. Helen then flees for the basement to find little Karen Cooper. That was a dick move, too. Didn't help out Barbara at all. To find Karen, little Karen Cooper eating her dead dad's arm. Nice. She is shocked. She is confused. I'm into this. <laughs> Karen grabs a masonry trowel, for those of you that don't know what that is, and then psycho stabs the living fuck out of mommy, echoplex screams and all. Yep. That was totally lifted from Psycho, that sequence, but it's amazing the way they did it. Yes, it was. Meanwhile, upstairs, the ghouls break through, including Johnny, who grabs Barbara and drags her off into the night. Karen heads upstairs and tries to bite Ben. He shakes her off like it ain't no thing and then heads to the so-called death trap, his words not mine, yeah. to be saved by the rig that they were using on that door. As much as I love and admire Ben and all of his plans, he was so wrong on he this was, one. He was wrong on this one. He heads down the stairs after barricading the door as the house fills up with the unbelievable amount of the dead. He finds dead Cooper and dead Helen who rise from the dead one at a time. He caps them both dead. This tragedy seems to break Ben as he sulks in the basement for just a moment and then immediately switches gears 
looks for his most defensible position, kneels in the floor in the back corner facing the staircase where they will be coming down to get ready for the one last fight he will have if the zombies get through the door. Yep. The sun rises and we see a helicopter flying over the chief's men as they head towards the farmhouse. You can see it in the distance of the shots that they're all there. It's really cool the way they did this. They're beginning to look for survivors. They're trying to flush out all of the extra Zeds and fuck, let's face it, Chili Billy Cardilly and the chief are talking. That is our final clip. Hey Vince, Sal, you want to get about four or five men and a couple dogs? There's a house over here behind those trees. We want to go check it out. Right, you okay. here, Bill. Yeah, Chief, we're going to stay with it till we meet up with the National Guard. Where'd you get the coffee? One of the volunteers, you're doing all the work, you take it. Thank you. We should be wrapped up here about three or four more hours and we'll probably get into Willard then. I guess you can go over there and meet the National Guard. Nick, you and the rest of these men want to come with me? No, Bill, I'm going to check in the office see what's happening. All right, Steve, tell them we're going to stay with it and uh, everything appears to be under control. They need you down there by the barn. Okay. Some of these guys can cover the wagon down. I only need a few men to check out the house. Somebody had a cook out here, Vince. Yeah, it sure looks like it, Tom. He's a dead one. Get up here. Nick, Tony, Steve, you want to get out in that field and build me a bonfire? You, drag that out of here and throw it on the fire. Nothing down here. All right, go ahead down and give him a hand. Let's go check out the house. Vince. There's something there. I heard a noise. All right, Vince, hit him in the head, right between the eyes. Good shot. Okay, he's dead. Let's go get him. That's another one for the fire. With that, Ben is shot dead and treated as if he was a zombie. There is no racist reasoning in this at all as to why Ben may have been shot, killed straight into the head. No reason for that at all. No, none. What, are you kidding? They drag his corpse and burn it with the other zombies, and we are forced to watch this happen using meat hooks and everything. As they don't necessarily roll the credits, they're just showing credits over each individual still frame, and the longer it goes, the more you feel like those hooks are in your soul. Yes. And as Matt had stated, and I'll play it at the end of the episode, the radio static eclipse that are happening really drive the point home that even though it may seem like this movie has a happy ending, I it mean, totally like, doesn't for multiple reasons. And not like a total happy ending, but like, you know, it seems like, okay, well, Ben's dead and was, you know, not needed to be killed, but it seems like, oh, we're getting control of it, except for maybe that area is, but those radios are going a little too nutty that things are falling apart. And that's going to lead us into the dawn. But for now, we sort of roll credits. Okay, we kind of did all of our thoughts while we're doing the film because there's no way that you and I are going to talk about Romero and not geek out. Yeah. All of these episodes are probably going to be very long. We we're probably not, won't have a whole lot of news, but we got to do feedback tonight. We got to do feedback. Yeah, but like I said, at the end where we give our post-movie thoughts, not going to be a whole lot of that either because most of it's going to be in, in the, the movie. Yeah. yeah. Um, I just want to tell a very specific story as to why Night of the Living Dead in particular is so important to me, what it means to me and why mm-hmm. it's so important. And I think I've told you this story before. Probably. In my preschool years, so before I was five, I, I had insomnia every now and then. Even then, I would wake up late at night after like an hour of sleep and then I couldn't get back to sleep. Mm -hmm. My parents gave me an old black and white TV set and it was when me and my siblings shared a room. So we both had a TV there in that room. They were super young. Like I said, I'm like preschool age. Yeah. Not even in kindergarten yet. And I think my sister at the time may have gone to kindergarten at the time. Mm -hmm. And so she's sleeping and I'm watching TV super late at night, just whatever 
whatever I could pull over the air broadcast and Night of the Living Dead comes on. Nice. Now I come in part of the way through where stuff is already hitting the fan and the house is already boarded up. Yeah. And I'm kind of seeing the news reports and I'm seeing the names of towns that I recognize as a kid that young. Oh yeah. Because I could kind of read and I could have got yeah. the towns and they named some towns and I recognize the Western PA accents and at that age I was convinced this was really happening. Oh man. So it's just me super late at night can't admit that I'm watching something that I shouldn't be watching convinced that it's real terrified that zombies are real and it left its mark on me. Oh. Now if you remember all the way back to when we were talking about how Spookies was like the first thing that I knowingly watched as a zombie movie. Yeah. That was when I was flipping through and then I saw the zombies coming up through the grave in that movie. Mm -hmm. But I will never forget watching Night of the Living Dead at like maybe four max. Yeah. And just knowing in my brain that this was really happening and being terrified. And that's why to this day, zombies are still my jam. Nice. No matter how fucking commercialized this has become and no matter how much worse it gets to where there's going to be like Walking Dead fucking theme parks, no matter how bad that gets, I will always have these Romero films, you gotta no matter hope, how bad they got. You gotta hope <laughs> the turns coming now where zombies will be left behind, kind of out of the mainstream, it's starting to happen already. Yeah, but I doubt it. All it's going to take is one more and then it's just going to, everybody's going to be a fucking zombie fanatic. But as long as Matt has known me, as long as my wife has known me, as long as my oldest friend friends will remember I have been obsessed with zombies and terrified of them. Yes, you have. All because of this film. Mm -hmm. And I also grew up uh, right over the, like, if you just walked about, I don't know, maybe a half a mile over a hill, there were zombies. And I was convinced that this was happening in the cemetery outside of my house. Uh, and yeah. that's why I was seeing this because yep. it was like a national broadcast or a broadcast from the local news. Yeah. And I had a black and white TV that was four by three. I had no idea. Uh -huh. No idea. Uh -huh. And this is where my obsession comes from is how good this movie is yeah. and how convincing it was. And it still has a direct line to that level of fear as being a child and watching it. <laughs> like it still accesses that part of my yeah. brain automatically. And that's why the full upper half of my arm is all Romero tattoos. Of course. Yeah. So what does the film mean to you? Where does, where does this fit into your life? Like when did it get its hooks into you? You know, I think I honestly saw probably, I want to say I saw day of the dead before I saw any of them. Okay. So we'll wait on that to talk about. Yeah. Day but of the I'm dead. just saying, yeah, but that's uh, where the series got its hooks in you. Was that the, was the one you saw day first? Of the, it was the first, I, I believe day of the dead was the first zombie movie I've never seen. Oh, wow. Yeah. So now factor in, go back and then you kind of watch and you hero both these things. Uh, what I love about this is it's the, it's, it's a movie that's serving, serving two purposes as a movie. It is both the end. It's both the last of the traditional style horror movies and the beginning of a new style that was going to be coming for horror movies. Yeah. It's a really weird demarcation point where it has that old school horror with a lot of the setup and the way that it's well, done, it's like, but it's so different and it's so a new. lot of the suspense, like there's, we kind of nowadays have almost like what would be considered horror soundtracks. Like, you know, the mood, the, 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 you know, the sounds of horror movies, you know, not like music, not, well music. Yeah. I mean, it's music, but it's not like bands playing it or anything. Just music, you know, just like the, a different kind of horror. There's like suspense music. And then there's horror music nowadays. Back then it was all just suspense music. Like your classic, maybe espionage spy suspense movie is going to have the same kind of suspense music as your horror movies. Uh, we saw that a lot with, um, 
um uh the uh with uh, a psycho you know it, not an actual horror soundtrack it's more just suspense stuff the same things as maybe you would see in any other movies of that time but it's I, I think it brought a more of a gruesome level to but so while you had that old style movie like that and the fact it was black and white you had this new kind of what seems tame now but for 1968 is a very gruesome type movie and then a very nihilistic ending to the end of it so I really liked uh, how it was it's it's signifying it's a movie that holds twofold it's the end of that type of style of horror movie in the beginning of a whole new style of horror movie that was coming after it I agree with you except for one thing mm-hmm. uh, Psycho had an actual orchestral conductor write and compose it he had an oh, actual okay. composer Maybe I'm of, thinking of something else Night of the Living Dead uses a lot of needle drops and what they call library music yeah you have a good point just kind of made a beautiful landing at the wrong airport uh-huh. Night of the Living Dead uses needle drops like all of the older style horror movies that came before it like all the universal stuff yeah where they were using swan lake and other things to score the well, horror film and, and also oh, and, and i guess let me go like this it's it, the same type of thing sound music in night of the living dead you could go with no jonathan i took the you know i took the documents dun dun you know that kind of thing that's because it's and the library music. yeah it's yeah. that library it's the same yeah. thing and yeah it gets I, I already when i said psycho i kind of kicked myself because it has also that I mean you know you're not entirely wrong because what Psycho did with the score and the way that it was shot and everything like that was also a huge turn and it is a gateway where it's still very much the old style of horror film but it brings in all of these new elements and just opens the floodgates even more shock and terror and awe yeah and those two films are contemporaries they're around the same time that they were released Mm. and they turned the face of horror it would never be the same because of those two film. Yeah. I would say they're the tentpole of modern horror. Mm-hmm. So you're not wrong. It's just that your logic on how you got there yeah. landed you at the wrong Either airport. way, I I still <laughs> think it's it's Night of the Living Dead is is a great movie because it's it's both an end and a beginning to two styles it's of the, movies. It's the transition to modern horror from yeah. that classic horror. I yes. agree with you. You are absolutely right. I, I fucking, that's it's something I was talking to my wife about when we were watching the movie. That's one of the reasons it's got its hooks into me. Night of the Living Dead will always have a place for me it's one of the movies where i love playing it in the background like if i'm hanging out outside halloween handing out candy i like having it on in the garage because it's black and white so it's not nearly as offensive as it you know could make, be it could be with color and stuff it's not as gruesome as some things today but it has those great sus- suspenseful music behind it and even the dialogue is so suspenseful i feel like gives an aura to the area and because it was public domain for the longest time even though it technically wasn't it just basically yeah. got shoved into that because of copyright issues uh-huh. because of it being accessible where anybody could see it and it was on a million of those dvd packs it's so prevalent in today's society that people recognize even the smallest fragment of night of the living dead as night of the living dead yes because every frame of this film is unique and different i agree it's like great everything they pack the frame they pack the soundtrack and this just shows just how masterful of a filmmaker george romero will be in the rest of the series yes, yes. all right we've been sitting here for about two hours hours solid. I don't know what that's going to count down to, but we still got feedback to get to. We got to get to it. We're going to take a break here. We're going to play another of the radio spots from Uncle Romero's Night of the Living Dead. We're going to have a promo for another podcast. We'll have a little bit of music befitting of Night of the Living Dead. And when we come back, we will do the feedback. This is the sound of a normal heart. No. 
listen to that same heart subjected to a night of total terror. Night of the living dead. The dead who live on living flesh. The dead whose haunted souls hunt the living. The living whose bodies are the only food for these ungodly creatures. Night of the living dead. Bizarre adventure in fear, an experience in shock more shattering than your strangest nightmare. Night of the Living Dead. A night of total terror. Prepare for a spine-tingling, nerve-shattering podcast featuring all your favorite monsters. You won't believe your ears when you listen to Monster Kid Radio. Hear your host, Derek M. Cook, and his ever-rotating stable of guests discuss your favorite classic and sometimes not-so-classic monster movies. Subscribe to Monster Kid Radio through iTunes or Stitcher, or visit monsterkidradio.net before the next weekly episode of Monster Kid Radio. Go through the archives for interviews with Sarah Karloff, Victoria Price, and Joel Hodgson. Listen to the discussions about movies like Creature from the Black Lagoon, Island of Terror, and King Kong. And don't forget convention coverage from Monster Bash and the HP Lovecraft Film Festival. Classic Monsters, Modern Talk, and the head of Rondo Hatton. Only on Monster Kids Radio. That's going to wrap that up. <laughs> that was the riff tone, which is the riff tracks, which as our listeners, I'm sure know, and also Matt, you obviously know. Yes. Riff tracks is the lineup of mm. MST3K that I am the most fond of. Yes. And probably you as well, right? Are you yeah. a Mike guy more than a Joel guy? Oh, I don't know. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's rough for me. Yeah. See. I love Mike and I love Joel. Well, I won't make you choose. I'm just uh, saying that that's the lineup that I'm the most familiar Mike, with. Mike and the Mike. Mike and the bots and the bots being Kevin Murphy and yeah. Bill Corbett. Like, those three and the Rift Tracks is kind of the voice that makes me feel like I'm home. Oh, there you go. And when they did Night of the Living Dead on one of their Rift Tracks live, that's one of the songs that they did. Nice. So I had to include it in here because I thought it was really funny and I really dug it. I should have... Oh, man, I gotta watch that sometime. The Rift that, Tracks, yeah, yeah, they're really fucking brutal. Yeah. But it's not time to talk about that. No. It's... Time for incoming mail! 
All right, we're going to go in order as we receive them. We were talking off mic while we took the break, and it looks like the very first one was sent to Matt. Yes, this one is from our friend Robert Ward, who is actually a supporter of the show. He's officially a supporter of the show. More details about that in year five. All right. He says, Dear Matthew Psyop, I usually don't write into these newfangled internet radio shows. He put quotations around internet radio shows. He's trolling you. Yeah. But upon hearing that you are quickly coming up to another anniversary, I felt compelled to write in and congratulate you on your feet. I have only been listening for a couple of years, but I have been really enjoying the show immensely. The hours and hours and hours of hard work you put in are greatly appreciated. Wait, what? You are very welcome, Robert. It's nice to be what? appreciated. Whoa, whoa, hey, hang hey, on. Hey, don't interrupt feedback. What are you doing? Don't be rude. Don't be rude to people. Are you sure this was supposed to be sent to you? Yeah, it says dear Matthew Sam. The hours and hours of work you put in. Hell, he goes on to say, hell, I even occasionally enjoy your sidekick. Sidekick? Hey, 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 don't be rude to Robert. He is a loyal listener. And he is a supporter. He is an official supporter of the show. So you just shush it. He's got to be trolling. He has more to say. Sidekick. Why can't you just accept this? (laughs) Sidekick. Sometimes I'm irked by the groan-inducing phallic humor, but glad to hear you always try to bring the show back to a classy and informative program. I think he has us confused. Robert, Robert, I know. I know. Trust (laughs) me, I try. My very best, Robert. I like how you're looking at the screen like Robert's there. Like he's you do there. when we have he's someone. There. I feel like when we have someone there. on Skype. You're looking at the screen. I feel like he's there because that's where the internet is. Is on that screen. <laughs> so. Just because I have a Gmail page up yeah. for my email. <laughs> yes, exactly. <laughs> Your various series, such as the study on European males and their forbidden desires, or the experiences of the modern woman within the penile system, have been riveting. No matter how much your sidekick tries to derail, by by citing, by, cite, by citing his adoration for mammary glands or buttocks, I adore how he's got you nailed right there. I adore how Cinema Psyops perseveres to remain an entertaining, informative, and politically sen- sensitive show. You we sir- both talk about our appreciation of gluteus maximi. Hey, will you just let testicle. me get through this? I mean, <laughs> Robert spent a lot of time sending this to us, and I feel like you're being very rude to Robert. I right believe now. that Robert's getting the exact reaction he wants right now. I believe you're being very rude to Robert. If you could just please, please, sir, please. Thank you. <laughs> Fuck you, dude. <laughs> Fuck you right off the show. <laughs> you, sir, ought to be upheld as one of the finest hosts on any internet radio show. Thank you, Robert. Thank He's you. totally trolling. Thank you. Hey, hey, why don't you just stop, sir, if I may, please. Thank you, sir. <laughs> it is my understanding that this upcoming season will feature many provocative, hard-edged films that will not only challenge the faint-hearted court, but also also provoke us, the audience, to our very core. Some and of those says, funded by Robert, by the way. And he says, I, period, can't, period, wait, period. Again, congratulations on conquering yet another year of films, and may you continue to enjoy doing the program as it provides endless joy itself to myself and literally dozens, dozens of us, of others. I think it's like three, but okay. 
Uh, kick the metaphorical gluteus maximus out of life, Robert. Robert, I thank you. That was epic. <laughs> that was serious trolling. How dare you, sir? That man spoke from the heart, and now you mock him. A supporter of the show. Your feigned civility is the best speaking you have ever done. I want to have you do notes in that manner on some movie. All right, then. We will talk off mic about which one specifically, but uh, that was kind of cool. Fine, sir. It's a fine day. <laughs> All right. So this one comes in from overseas. Our boy, Gareth. Hey, Gareth. To Court and Matt. Wow. He wrote it in big caps. Yeah. So. Well, yeah. 200 episodes already? Doesn't feel that long ago. I was messaging you guys. Congratulations. Congratulating you on 150 episodes. I would say it was probably about 50 weeks ago that that happened. Yeah. Give or take. Give or take. These congratulation messages are getting to be a habit and a damn fine habit it is too. Heroin is also a habit. But not a damn fine one if no. I do say so my damn yeah. self. <laughs> Thank you both for week in, week out being the the most entertaining podcast out there. Those are bold words, and yeah. I think other podcasters would have something to disagree with you on that. Yeah, they, those, those could be fighting words, Gareth. I mean, we thank you for saying them. Yeah. I'm glad that you find us to be the most entertaining podcast out there for you. Yes. Yes, me and my sidekick greatly <laughs> appreciate off with that sidekick talk. <laughs> <laughs> You've made me want to watch some movies and also made me want to run away from some, too. Believe me, after we've watched some of these, we've wanted to run away. I to run away from this show like for the last 50 weeks so <laughs> i'm blackmailing him why has it got to be blackmail matt i don't know yeah <laughs> well yeah you're the one who said it i know <laughs> keep up the good work here's to the next 200 episodes starting with the full franchise flesh eating romero zombie fest i may have to change the name i like that yeah much love to you both and all the psyop fam worldwide gareth from the facebook group thank you very much gareth gareth you rock the next comes from Derek. B. Why am I calling him Derek B? Because that's what he writes on the email to us. And also, I can't pronounce his last name if I wanted to. Yeah, that that, that has numbers in it. I couldn't pronounce that's that That's not either. even his actual last name. Oh, okay. oh, oh, yeah, yeah. Okay. Not being able I, to pronounce Derek B's last name. It's a thing. That is a thing. Thank you, David. Yeah, thank you very much, David. It, we appreciate it. It feels good to be back on the same page with Dave again. Hello, fine gentlemen. Derek B from Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space. I guessed it on that show. That Oh, really? I rather enjoy that show. That is a mouthful. Even when I'm not off on it uh, off it well you said yeah. mouthful and i thought I started thinking about getting off in someone's mouth so you know <laughs> <laughs> that's the truth that's well, what happened well welcome to our world everyone constantly thinking about getting off in someone else's mouth cinema psyops a progressive show for morons <laughs> underwater kaiju from derek b from underwater kaiju from outer space we've lost the plot let's just move on here to just say congrats on reaching 200 episodes it is an amazing milestone i had the privilege of recording with and i'm guessing this was an autocorrect Corey because I have no fucking clue who Corey is. Why are you acting like this, Corey? Fuck off with that shit. Man, you never see Corey act like this. I will burn your life and everything in it. Recording with Court on an epic philosophical discussion of Godzilla versus Mechagodzilla, which was a load of fun. That was the show that I guessed it on. I had so much fun. Nice. Yeah, so Jerry, if you're listening, which I know you do occasionally, let me know, buddy. I'm coming back on someday. Your show has brought joy to my ears and your guys' humor and personalities, especially together, crack me up. Yeah, we're kind of somewhat useless comedy-wise without each other. Yeah. I mean, you know, at the risk of sounding like Keith Ledger's Joker, you complete me. <laughs> uh, all right. 
Matt, keep injecting that marijuana, brother. You got yeah. it. Don't don't encourage him to do drugs. That's you, bad. You got it. Always congratulations. Anyways, congratulations. Done and done. Anyways, congratulations, guys. And here's two more episodes. Just no more movies like Queen of Blood, okay? And go, go, Godzilla. <laughs> Thank you very much, Derek B. <laughs> yeah, trust me, we ain't going back. All right. Our very first voicemail comes to us from Darren from the Psychosemantic Podcast, also known as the Psychosemantic Cast, also known as Derek's thinking of a third name but not telling him. <laughs> Hello and welcome to Darren from the VD Clinic Podcast, the Psychosemantic Cast, and Return of the Midnight Horror Show. Wishing you, Court and Matt, a happy fucking 200th episode. I can't, I can't do the radio voices as well as you, Court. So, I will have to go back to the footage and uh, see where I went wrong. But, really, fucking love you guys. Glad you're not mad at me. Uh, Kick the fuck out of the next 200 and make them your bitch. Bye. Footage. (laughs) Footage. Soldier. Footage. Soldier. Shoulder. And then soldier. The soldier had a shoulder and then got some footage. Someone had footage of a soldier with a shot in his shoulder. Ooh, I'm not trying that. (laughs) I need a few more marijuanas. Just feign civility like you did on that that reading. Yeah, before. right. <laughs> All right, our next email comes to us from Blue. All right. Hi, Court. Comma. Hi, Matt. <laughs> hey, Blue. Hey, Blue. Just dropping you a quick email to say a huge congratulations on your 200th episode. It's a, fi- eh. it's a fantastic milestone and not always one that other podcasts reach or continue with such high quality output. That's the kind of smoke I like to have blown. Yeah, right. My- yeah, please. <laughs> I hear you get twice as high. Yeah. Don't try it in this office (laughs) with such high quality output. But here you are doing what you do best and entertaining all your demented deviants. Yeah. (laughs) I kind of want to like everybody has a thing where they call demented deviants. I just thought they were just demented deviants. We gave a place to. We know. Well, some of them are, but some of them we turned into that, too. Oh, okay. So there are some that are are demented deviants. Right. Oh, nice. It doesn't matter where you fall on the demented deviants scale. Yeah. You're all welcome here. Yeah. It's a safe space. The safe place for demented deviants. Yes. Yes. <laughs> I have to confess that life has yet again got in the way of having fun, and I have a few episodes to binge on, all of which will be done in bed and hopefully before this episode drops. We may have to pull an all-nighter, though, guys, for me to reach the climax. I see what she's doing here. Uh-huh. All blue, living up to your name and going blue with your comedy. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so I apologize now for tiring you both out. Whoa, so, hey now. So here's to the next 200 episodes. Yes, that's what we want. Another two. A lot of people are demanding two. 200, 200 more. more 200 that's four more years of that's, our lives oh my god yeah <laughs> listen guys i don't know if i'm gonna make it <laughs> i mean just physically i might just die we're gonna have to get a robotic heart in you or yeah, something. something yeah yes that's what we want another 200 and as we aren't completely demented or deviant enough yet uh, that's that checks out so, so are we to assume blues listening to us right now while in bed oh yeah she tends to she tends to that's right because we help her reach the climax yeah, whatever that our is our voices right yeah we never know what it's like to make a woman reach climax no, so uh hey blue what's up how you doing hey don't right. don't don't look at that picture of me just, modeling that just, light don't don't yeah, do it don't do that or do it do it whatever works for you do you like jaundice boards well do i have something for you <laughs> <laughs> i don't know what <laughs> that one fell I'm apart and punchy yeah <laughs> all right next email this one comes from our boy mike congrats to you both for surviving this long you really proved you're 
staying power with a Matei. He says that he did four out of the five and it almost broke himself. Oh man, I feel you. Anyway, thanks for being here and doing all things PSYOP. The group is my safe place to unwind after working at a bank all day. Oh Jesus, yeah. I do banking software. I know what you're talking about. I feel you, man. It helps to cut down on incidents like the time I proclaimed at the teller line, I make money from my sex work. (laughs) I think they wanted to have me do that for a clip, maybe. Maybe. Keep on pulling it just to pull it. The clips are the thing, man. Everybody loves yeah, that clip. Everyone loves those clips. For many more years now, bring on the Romero. We sure did. It's already been broughten. It's been broughten. By the time you hear me read this. Yes. All right. The next is from our boy, Boz. This came in separately from the emails. This is from my boy, Boz. My bromance from overseas. Oh, uh, yes. Big sexy. Although he's kind of tiny now. So Tiny sexy? Slim sexy. Slim sexy. Boz the slim sexy. This is his voicemail. Hi, chaps. This is Boz. Yeah, it's that motherfucker who couldn't be bothered to send you a clip when you hit a hundred shows. Nah, hundreds. Pfft, just a hundred. Two hundred? Two hundred? That that's a that's a mark I can celebrate. So I I've I've got in front of the microphone. Uh, I've done more than that actually. I decided to write you some prose. Um because it's the only way really I can sum up everything I think. And I, I think I'm speaking for more than just myself here when I say Here's to cinema psyops. I like it almost as much as I hops. Court is the man, and Matt is on hand for white supremacy clip drops. These two have been at it for years. There's been shouting and swearing and tears. When Matt does the notes, Court hits the ropes, because clips are all that he hears. And what of the films that they cover? Many so crass and old they discover. Matt likes the boobs. Court hates the rubes. But of a thank you movie, they are lovers. Clip. So what is it we all think is ace? Is it the banter or Matt being debased? The news is just great, but it's the clips that we rate and that put a huge fucking smile on our face. So in ending this ridiculous rhyme, it's taken far too much of my time. Thank you to Court. Matt, you're a good sport. We think Cinema PsyOps is simply sublime. There you go, guys. In all honesty, uh, you have kept me entertained for so many hours. I've nearly crashed my van laughing. I have had to turn it off quickly when people have walked in the room because you're talking about such inappropriate shit in such an inappropriate manner, which I fucking love. Don't ever change. Keep on doing it. We love what you do. I wish I was supporting you more. I don't, and I'm sorry. I'm a massive cunt. Love you both. Bye. I'm not going to lie. When I was editing that audio, like to fit in and make sure that it hit the levels and everything, I was almost ugly crying at the end of the poem the first time I heard it. Ah, man, that was a good poem. Yeah, that was amazing. I'm going to find a way to use that because it was awesome. And Boz, I'm just going to say this. You are a massive cunt, but you still support us greatly. So it's great. (laughs) That's not why you're a massive cunt. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, he made some special stuff for you, specifically for you. I know. But I couldn't get to it because of all the feedback that we have yeah. and I just couldn't get it prepped in time for the show uh-huh. but it'll be on next week's you're doing all the work for Dawn of the Dead oh great yeah so you probably are a massive cunt <laughs> <laughs> just oh, kidding I, I love you Boz not as much as I do no 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 not near as much I would never yeah that's your man I'm sorry that's right <laughs> Only one other person gets to embrace Boz besides me, and that's his loving wife. <laughs> I'm so, I'm just, she's so glad you've given her that permission. It's not so much that I've given her the permission. I'm just terrified to try and take him away from her. I know, right? She'd probably kill you. 
All right, the next one comes in from Podcast Hero and proprietor of the Exploitation Film Cast. It is Mike Murphy. Hey, Court and Matt, Mike Murphy here. Hey, I am downtown Los Angeles in the recording studio at the Fox Plaza, and I'm actually editing the next episode of Exploitation Film Cast. And I got a kick out of the first few minutes because Iris introduces the episode in Spanish. We're covering El Topo. And that brought back a flood of memories when we had Court on to cover the Blind Dead films. We pulled a, a fast one on him. If you want to know more about that, Court can tell you if he decides to play this MP3. Anyway, I know you all are just about to sit down and record episode 200. And I wanted just to send an MP3 in and tell you how amazing that is, right? Because not a lot of shows get to 100, let alone 200. I was very fortunate myself to be part of a podcast for six years that went over 300 episodes. And I know that's a lot, a lot of work. And I know that Court, I I believe Court does a lot of the production uh, work. And, you know, just imagine sitting down for two hours to record one episode. And then on top of that, you have a multitude of hours of production afterwards. And if you all have heard Court show, and you have because you're listening to it right now, you know the kind of high-quality production they put out episode after episode. And that is a monumental task, hitting episode 200. So congratulations, you guys. I'd love to wish you another 200, but that means another five years. I don't think you guys get the balls to go another five years. Prove me wrong. Anyway, a huge congratulations on 200 episodes, and here's wishing you many more. Hey, Mike. Challenge, Challenge accepted. accepted. Damn, dog! <laughs> and thank you very much for taking the time out of your busy schedule to give us a little bit of feedback to celebrate 200. And thank you so much for those kind words on the quality of the cast, because hearing a fellow podcaster who was a big inspiration for me to want to do this say that about my show, I swear to God, I'm going to start ugly crying, Matt. Don't. It makes it uncomfortable for everyone in the room. And by everyone, I name me. Because <laughs> you're the only other person in the room. Oh, there's no one else. I usually don't see anybody else in a room. I just think about me. <laughs> oh, how very narcissistic of you. Yeah, I got problems. <laughs> All right. Our next piece of feedback is going to be some more voicemail. And this is from our girl, Jamie. Hey. All right. Hi, Court and Matt. It's Jamie from the ABCs of Hidden Horror and the Married with Children podcast, Cinema Beef. I think that's all I'm doing right now. I think. Uh, anyway, I wanted to send you a congratulations for your 200th episode. You guys are amazing. You already know that I love you. I had a wonderful time when I was on the show, and I can't wait to come back. It's so much fun. I am so proud of you. You do a wonderful job, and I just hope that there are 200 and 200 and 200 and 200 and you know, a whole bunch more. That's that's what I want to happen. So congratulations again. Keep it up. Talk to you soon. Bye. I don't know if we're going to live long enough to do 200 and then 200 a, and then 200 more. I was more. about to say. That's like a thousand some odd episodes these, she's these asking people, for. These people have a... What do you mean by these people? These people, our listeners, they have a very high opinion of my health. And I just don't think they know that yet. It's bad. The importance for this cast to carry on yeah. is me. Yeah. <laughs> I can find another color commentary guy. Yeah. What do you mean by color commentary? I thought that's what you called it. No. That's not a good term. Yeah. What do you do it over here? 
Oh, God. Kalor commentary? There you go. That's much now better. Now that's better. <laughs> Thank you so much, Jamie. That's uh, a good sidekick. She is so adorable in that voicemail. Just the way yeah. she's so chipper and upbeat and happy. God, God, what did she do with listening to this show? Well, she's also just as demented and sick as the rest of us. That's true. That's she true. did She did the episode with us for Don't Torture a Duckling, remember? Yeah, yeah. No, I remember. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I was just saying, she sounds so happy and chipper. Yeah. No one Jamie's, happy and chipper should be listening Jamie's to this. Jamie's in the top three people I want to get back on the show once we get the equipment working again. And by we, I mean me. Yeah. And yeah. by me, I mean get enough time to be able to actually tear this shit apart and fix it. Uh, of, of course. <laughs> Which is probably never going to happen with people demanding 200, 200 more oh, and then 200 more and then 200 can, more. Can we have a spring break? <laughs> Maybe? I don't know. Let's go down to Daytona. <laughs> Alright, so this next one comes in from Lee Russell, and I'm not gonna lie, I've heard it, and there's either necromancy or a whole lot of money involved in how he got this made. Okay. Okay, yeah. Uh, I'm supposed to read this or what? Yeah. Yeah, just say it. Uh-huh. Okay, yeah. Okay. Mr. Lee Russell wants me to read this prepared message. He's paying me big money for this. Um, wait. You really want me to say all this crap? Okay, yeah. Uh-huh, okay, yeah. Um, what are their names again? Uh, Kurt and Matt. Kurt and Matt. Oh, all right, Get yeah. It right. Okay, yeah, I got it. I got it, yeah. Okay, it's your dollar, yeah. Damn geek thinks he's Jack Tunney like he could tell me what to do or something, yeah. All right. This is the macho man Randy Savage here to say I hear cinema psyops is top of the line. Yeah, cream of the crop. Yeah, uh huh. Old boys on the block now with their 200 episodes. Yeah. Oh yeah. Big boys playing with big toys. Yeah, big shots. Old dogs. Yeah. But getting older comes with a price. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm, yeah. For all the experiences, all the trials and tribulations, and the challenges met come the inevitable. The macho man knows your pain. Oh, yeah, mm-hmm. You see, the macho man started to get old, yeah. It was the inevitable. Hair falling out. Getting a little fat. Okay, to be honest, a lot fat. Yeah. And my ding-dong stopped working. Miss Elizabeth was not amused. No, uh-huh, no. But through the miracle of medical science, they've got pills for everything now. Yeah. Macho man is fit as a fiddle. And he's got all his hair back. And Miss Elizabeth rides his pogo stick all night long. Freak out! Yeah! Mm-hmm! So to you, Court and Matt, I got it right the first time. Macho Man's a pro, am I right? I say with a steady regimen of pill-popping and booze, and maybe a little cocaine, yeah. You'll be on top of your game. Oh, yeah, take it from the Macho Man. And if you see that no-good Hulk Hogan, tell him I'm coming for him, yeah. Nobody looks at my girl like that. Wait, Nobody looks at my girl like that. Hey, what? Take him out get of here. Get off chair. of me. You, get, 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 him up. Get, get out of here. Get, get out of here. You're not welcome here get, anymore. I don't even want your out. Macho Man's Just get him out. You're not being paid. You. Where's You're Miss not being paid. <sighs> Fuck. Court, Matt, I'm really sorry about that. I thought he was going to be stable this time. I've had problems with him before in the past. Macho Man's very temperamental. But uh, in all seriousness, congratulations on 200 episodes. It's fucking awesome. Love the show every week. 
you guys to this day still have the best sort of <laughs> improvability uh improv ability. I'm not trying to say improvability is one fucking word. I think that's something totally different. Um but your banter, uh the quick wit, the way you guys just snap this shit out of the air and are constantly funny every week just gives me joy to listen to and keep on going. Don't stop. Don't ever stop. Because I do have the Macho Man still on retainer. I'll fucking send them to you. I will fucking do it. Wow. Wow, man. Uh, Someone got a hold of the Necronomicon. Something, man. You know, okay, downer in five, four, three, two, one. If someone could bring the Macho Man back, I wouldn't want it to be wasted on accosting us. Really? Yeah. I would. I would want him to be able to have a life and be able to enjoy it when he comes back. Nah. <laughs> but, I, I mean, let's pull back the curtain here. Yeah. Lee does one hell of that a Macho a Man impression. Macho Man impression. Oh, yeah. I'm still not convinced he didn't actually bring Macho Man back to life and has him there. <laughs> He's like raising him from the dead like yeah. uh, Chris Sarandon in the Resurrected exactly. and shit. Yeah. He has Macho Man's essential salt. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you very much, Lee. That message fucking hilarious. And those kind words, I don't know if we deserve any of this, folks, but we feel the love and you're energizing us to want to keep going into next year. Yes. And apparently for the next 20 years is oh what they God. want. I mean, if people will listen to it, I, I'll keep going till I'm dead. All right. The next uh, one is an email from Vanessa. Howdy, Court and Matt. Sending you a quick congratulations on making it to your 200th episode. I would have loved to have sent a voicemail, but I'm in the midst of some work insanity. Nevertheless, I wanted to say Mazel tov. I think I pronounced that right. I think so. Thanks for all your hijinks. I think I pronounced that wrong. No, hijinks is fine. Leaders of luscious lemurs. God, I love alliterations, especially when it's Simeon. <laughs> Vanessa, thank you very much, Vanessa, for taking time out of your work insanity to even send us that little yeah, thank you thank message. thank you, Vanessa. That was very sweet of you. Thank you so much. Oh, boy. It's uh, next message is from our boy Ken, also known as Mystique in the Facebook group. All right. It's Cinema PsyOps 200th episode, and I don't want to go to a mental hospital. Hey guys, it's Ken checking in. Mystique on the Facebook group, if y'all ain't hip to that. Court, happy 200 episodes, bro. Matt, happy 200 episodes, man. Uh, I've told you many times, you're my favorite podcast. You're part of my Monday ritual. You even had my dumbass on twice. Um, I appreciate all the hard work you put in, Court. It's a labor of love. Just so you know, you get some love back from uh, folks such as myself. Matt, I know we bag on you saying you don't do much, but... well. It's kind of true. No, I'm just kidding, Matt. You are hilarious on the show. You're part of the. You're, you're the. You're the. The jelly to the peanut butter. I'm just so happy that you're going to be watching cannibal movies though next, Matt. Can't wait to hear your reaction. I'd also like to give a shout out to Mrs. Uh, Psyops Beverly. She's always a wonderful change of pace whenever uh, a uh, couples therapy episode comes out. Beverly, you're you're. Uh, you're great too. You may you may be shy, but you seem to be getting more confident every episode. Um, and I also want, finally want to give a shout out to the Cinema Psyops Facebook group. Y'all are some crazy mofo's, and I love you, every one of you. Um, that's it. Happy 200. Let's get 300 more. Let's get to 500, baby. Space trucking. <laughs> 
Okay, so he wants us to hit 500. That seems like a more reasonable request than 200 and then 200 and 200. I just say this, uh, Mystique, that um, Ken, Ro- Ken, that Robert seems to disagree with you. As, uh, <laughs> so, not for nothing. <laughs> <laughs> i love the way our fans troll i know i know all the time so it's fucking great all right the next one that came in for us is the time shifting orphan christopher from the orphan entertainment and time shifters podcast hey court and matt of cinema psyops this is your friend christopher from the time shifters podcast and orphaned entertainment podcast and i am just dropping you a message to congratulate you on 200 episodes guys wow 200 you know i did a little bit of math so 200 episodes figuring you could spend about three hours recording them and then figuring maybe two hours editing each episode well that's nearly a thousand hours right there so take on the average 90 minutes of a movie and multiply that by 200 you know i figure you guys have wasted i mean spent nearly 20,000 hours on cinema psyops that's that, that, that's, that's a lot of time. So, uh, you know, good job. Uh, here's to the next 20,000 hours, guys. Good luck and uh, congratulations. Michael, I made a huge mistake. He did the math. <laughs> it was, he did that. It really bummed me out. <laughs> what really bums me out is he thinks I spend only two hours editing this podcast. Yeah, you're 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 gonna have to inflate those numbers a little bit. Yeah, I record for about three hours, give or take. Matt and I record. It's been less lately with the movies that aren't so good. But when we got something that we want to talk about, we record for a long time. Yeah, just because we have so much to say and you can't shut either of us up. Mm-hmm. And then, however long the episode is, you can actually double the finish episodes time and that's about how much time I spent editing it usually and that's counting the clips and everything like that that I prepare ahead of time while I'm doing the recording and even when Matt does the notes he records the clips now but I still edit them so yeah <laughs> I would say that that wasted did you say 20,000 hours yeah or 200,000 hours probably probably about 25,000 hours 25,000 hours I would say a good 75 to 85 percent of that has been mine for sure yeah <laughs> yeah from all of the shit that I've done behind the scenes all the time. And that's not even counting ripping the movies for you to be able to watch them as a file. That's right. <laughs> that takes time, too. Jesus. I'm reconsidering this whole entire endeavor. I need to find a hobby that's way more fulfilling and productive. Hey, listen, 200, that's a good way to stop, right? <laughs> I guess so. <laughs> I guess this is the final episode of <laughs> Cinema Styles. So keep listening to your... So fucking please. bummed out now, man. I, I, Christopher's sh- really depressed. Hey, Chris, did you really have to do the math? God damn it. Oh, fuck. Jesus. All right, I... I guess I'll, I'll okay well here we'll, we'll we'll play this next one this comes from our boy fancy from fancy and friends podcast checking the mic one two checking the mic one two three. making sure this fucking thing's not fucking up this is cinema psyops 200th episode congratulations to court and matt from satan court and matt this is Satan. I'm here to tell you to stop doing this show. 200 episodes is way too many. Stop spreading this filth. Why have you wasted your lives watching all of these trashy, shitty movies? Instead of spreading the word of your lord, Satan, I'm going to be keeping an eye on you two, and I will be back in another 200 episodes. If you two idiots are still doing this show, oh, there will be hell to pay. Oh, and Court, I know you don't believe in me, but I believe in you. Satan out. 
Well, you heard the man. You guys are on the hook for 200 more episodes. Uh, I'll be looking forward to it. Uh, keep watching them shitty movies, fellas, and I'll keep listening. Uh, this is fancy, and congrats on 200. <laughs> Jesus Christ. I even got Satan, man. His budget's huge. Yeah. I love that Satan's like, you're going to get 200 more episodes, and then if you're still doing this show, they'll be hell to pay. Yeah. And then he's like, I know you don't believe in me, but I believe in you. Yeah. It's almost like Satan is using the other side's rhetoric to show how ridiculous it is. That or, you know, Satan's just being a dick. <laughs> well, he has been known to do that. Yeah, I mean, he does some fucked up shit. Also, challenge accepted, non-existent dark overlord. Yes, I will keep podcasting. <laughs> that was fucking great. That was a good one. We got the last two that came in are both tagged as last minute congrats, kind of. But they still made it in time because I said the deadline was Monday. Nice. And as long as I got it by Monday and it was in before work the following day on Tuesday, it counted. So this is from our good friend up north, Chef Al. Hey, Court. Hey, Matt. This is Al from Halifax calling. Um, I had hoped to do something more elaborate, uh, maybe a bit, but uh, life catches up on me. Um as I'm sure that's a phenomenon that you guys are more than familiar with, and yet somehow every week you're able to put out a great frigging show that, um, oh, I'm sorry, that was disrespectful, a great fucking show that brings me endless amounts of joy, pleasure, and a nice little bit of, uh, uh, of routine in an otherwise chaotic world. So I just wanted to say thanks for everything you guys do. Um, congratulations on the milestone. Keep on rocking. You're awesome. Thanks for playing the cramps. Um, thanks for, I know you're going to get lots of condolences slash, uh, golf claps for, uh, May Matei. Um, but as awesome as that was, you guys sucked it up and dealt with those awful Chris Alexander movies. Awful Chris Alexander. What a piggy. Anyway, um, yeah, you just keep being you, and um, we'll all keep enjoying you being you and stuff. All right, take it easy. Bye-bye. <laughs> I love that everybody hates Blood for Irina. Yes. As much as we do. I know, right? Yeah. Now, apparently, there's one person out there that keeps saying, I can't remember who it is, but they're like trolling me in the group by saying, uh -huh. you know, there's a third one, right? We and don't. You guys need to close that trilogy. We don't. We don't. My, we don't. Res my response to that is <laughs> Frank from It's Always Sunny Philadelphia, Danny DeVito shaking <laughs> his head, going, nope, nope, nope. nope, nope. <laughs> I think we have said all that we can say from this trilogy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There didn't need to be a third movie, and I still. I don't believe there is one so <laughs> you're a blood for trilogy atheist you don't yeah, believe I that don't it believe exists it. i don't believe it exists <laughs> that brings us to our final piece of feedback this is from the dongles of corrupted youth brandon from corrupted youth podcast here sorry to interrupt your cinema psyops 200th episode but we have breaking news on the public's reaction to this very episode and now i turn you over to dan aboard our eye in the sky chopper dongle one Thank you, Brennan. Just gotta say, it's it's chaos down there. People are lining the streets. Uh, we had to take Dongle 1 up because the police presence is just too strong. We can't get on any of the roads. People are, are either trying to evacuate or join in on what appears to be happening down below. Um, all I can say right now is that it's, it's really gross. There's a lot of weird things going on down there. Um, the, the cemeteries are being dug up. People 
people are just having sex with corpses left and right. Oh my god, they've taken one of the police officers off his horse. They are now fucking the horse. It's crazy. I think the the reaction is they've they've done it. Cinema Psyops has done it. They've literally corrupted the minds of everyone. Oh my god, it's crazy down there. You you won't believe it. There's people wearing plank masks and they're just going nuts. There's just alcohol flowing crazily and they're they're stealing all the cheese. Oh my god, this is insane. These people who have been listening to this episode are taking to the streets. They are going nuts. They are perversions of science abound. It's just pure insanity. There's an excessive amount of male nudity. One positive note on all of this is that it appears that everyone's just punching Nazis left and right. That that part of it's fantastic. People are showering themselves with blood. I don't know if these people, if if they got their hands on a marijuana, but they're, they're going nuts. You can hear horror-themed metal and rockabilly music just everywhere. Like I said, there's a lot of corpse fucking and horse fucking. They're doing it all. Oh no, I, I think they're, there's a group of people now. I think they're assuming that we are indeed a police helicopter when we are a friendly podcast news helicopter. They're, we're under, there's, uh, I can't, We've appeared to have lost the feed. I really hope you're okay out there. As you heard, chaos now reigns supreme. Be careful there, folks. Unless that's your thing. We now return to your 200th episode of Cinema PsyOps. No wonder I'm not allowed to listen to most of their episodes. <laughs> oh, that was fucking brilliant. It's for the best you don't get to listen to most of our episodes. <laughs> yeah, definitely, Brendan. Although, I have heard stories of how, for some odd reason, the sync-up that happens in one of the vehicles, whenever Dan is driving, uh-huh. always seems to go to one particular episode where we are discussing corpse fucking, <laughs> and it never fails. Dan's wife is in the van. <laughs> And some other family members, and it always jumps to a really choice bad part about corpse fucking. But he hit all of the various weird perversions that we talk about on yeah. this show. Yeah. He hit like there's every a lot of t- fucking of horses in there. <laughs> Clip, yeah. <laughs> but man, like yeah, that was that was perfect. That's a perfect way to close out the feedback yes. section. And it just so happens that that was literally the last piece of feedback that we got in Woo. right there. That that hit just under the wire, just in time for us to be able to get that on the show. And that is perfect. That's the best way for us to go ahead and leave it. I think. So now, one more thing I need to note. This yeah. horse sex is a thing. It, it is. It is. This horse sex is a thing. It is. It is Necrophilia can be overlooked. It can. <laughs> but we have no horse sex news, but... No. This horse sex is a thing. We have no news tonight. <laughs> no, we're gonna, we're gonna cut it off here. We're gonna play the final radio spot that I have available for Night of the Living Dead. We're gonna have the ending show Legion promo, and when we come back, we will close this motherfucking overlook long show out there's a lot of talk these days about the growing world food shortage you can see people slowly starving to death right here it's tragic and terrifying stop and imagine just for a moment what would happen if all of a sudden tonight a strange virus brought all the dead back to life what would they eat they'd eat you it's back 
The original, uncut, uncensored version of The Night of the Living Dead. The granddaddy of super shockers. The Night of the Living Dead. The movie television will never be able to show intact. Even the exhibitors prefer not to show it except very late at night. The original, uncut, Night of the Living Dead. Banned in 36 countries. The one nightmare you'll never forget. Back for a special late, late show. If you enjoyed this show, then make sure you check out the other great shows on the Legion Podcast Network, like Cinema PsyOps, Cinema Beef, Devour the Podcasts, Duncan and Bo Come Correct, Exploding Heads Horror Movie Podcast, Friday the 13th, Get Slayed, The Hell Ming Power Hour, Hello, This is the Doom Show, Hero Hero Ghost Show, Kill the Cast, Underwater Kaiju from Outer Space, Jerry Hates Action, Legion After Dark, Metal Health, Obsessive Cinema, Discourse, Pick Six Movies, The Podcast by the Cemetery, The Podcast on Haunted Hill, The Psycho Semantic Podcast, Rick Radio, House of Wax, Dude Looks Like the 80s, Rabbit and Red Radio, The Shadecast, Short Bus Cinema, Two Drink Minimum Commentaries, The VD Clinic, Who Will Survive Horror Podcast, and Which Versus the Doomsday Clock. With such a widespread of shows, there is guaranteed to be a niche for you to fall in love with. Horror, politics, movies, books, sex, music, commentaries, health, video games, kaiju, action, news, comedy, and opinions that would most likely get you killed in some parts of the world. We are proud to bring you some of the best podcasting in the world. Check us out at www.legionpodcast.com, iTunes, Spotify, Stitcher, YouTube, and any other dark corner of the internet where podcasts can be found. Japanese punk band, also kind of a visual K type band where they, you know, do flamboyant outfits and all that kind of yeah. stuff. Their name is Balzac. Careful how you pronounce that. Balzac? Balzac. Balzac. I got to see these guys perform live at one of the Fiend Fests when they came over, like in the early 2000s, right after I moved to Omaha. Oh, really? They were awesome. Oh, nice. I bought everybody in the band a shot and we just like bullshitted as best we could because yeah. English is not their first language and <laughs> I can't speak Japanese. Yeah. But we started pointing to band logos to talk about music and all that kind of stuff and it was so much fun hanging out with awesome. those guys. I hope that I will get to meet them again someday. <laughs> but that's pretty much going to close out the show here, folks. So you know where to go. You've been doing this with us for, I would say, at least half of the 200 episodes, maybe? Yeah, probably. And, and you know, you, you had to have gone back and listened to a few of them as well. So yeah. you, you know the routine. Legionpodcast.com forward slash cinema dash psyops. That is our main landing page. That's where you're going to find all of the episodes, whether they've been released um, yesterday, today, or tomorrow. Cinema PsyOps has a home at Legion Podcast Network. <laughs> promised myself I wouldn't do this, man. I promised myself I wouldn't fake cry. Hey, hey, hey. <laughs> Ow. Sorry, I had to fake slap you for your fake crying. I thought, I thought it was a chicken! I thought it was a chicken! 
<laughs> haven't done that shit in a while. I know, right? <laughs> thought it was a chicken. <laughs> well, if you want to know what that's all about... Settle down, Barbara. You can join our Facebook group, Cinema PsyOps, where we will explain to you in detail why they thought it was a chicken <laughs> and what that's from. Yes. And why that always bums us out to talk about. That's for the MASH podcast. <laughs> we've been doing... That we've been talking That's for. old school. That is old yeah. school. You can find me on Facebook as Court PsyOps. You can find Matt on Facebook as Matt PsyOp. You know how to get feedback to email through email to Matt, or at least our friend Robert and supporter, official supporter of the show. Yes. PsyopMatt at gmail.com. That's where you can get feedback to Matt. With such an eloquent email that was sent to me. <laughs> I think he was trying to boost and, your, your and ego. accurate. <laughs> yes. It's completely accurate in your own brain. <laughs> you can email feedback to court, cinemasyopscourt at gmail.com and tell him the truth about you know where this show is coming from and where it's going to go, Cotton Eye Joe. Yes, that's side that's sidekick at gmail.com. I will fuck you up. <laughs> you can find Court on Twitter and you can find Matt wait, wait, on wait. Twitter. Court or Corey? Which one is oh, it? Oh, fuck off right now with that shit. You can find the PSYOP boys on Twitter, the hate-filled shit fest that it is. I am at Court. Court <laughs> underscore PSYOP. <laughs> And that is at Psyop Matt. I also have an Instagram going, cinema underscore Psyops. You know the deal about my dirty followings and everything that I am doing there. Yes. Now, I would like to thank all of you that have been with us from the beginning. All two of you have been there from episode one all the way up to episode 200. I know there's at least two people out there that have been with us this entire time that I can think of off the top of my head. But everyone else, whenever you jumped in, however you jumped on, thank you so much for being a part of this two. 200 episodes of this four-year run of this fucked up stupid little show we really do appreciate it and we do love you now kick the fuck out of this week and make it your bitch You mean since I brought it up. Well, yes. How nice is it to have an actual color person interested again? (laughs) Color person? Color commentator. Oh, I was going to say, what do you mean by you people? (laughs) (laughs) What the fuck, dude? (laughs) 
and paste one on her to kind of put her down, and she takes it like a pro. Jesus. You gotta love a girl who can take a punch. Oh, what does he mean by taking it like a pro? Uh, how do you want to take that? I don't know, man. That what is the bad. most <laughs> offensive way that I could have someone take that she's taking a punch like a pro? Oh, man, that's good. I the, mean, because the, there's a lot. The least offensive way is that she is a professional boxer. Yes. So she knows she doesn't have a glass chin and yeah. can take a punch. Yeah, 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 yeah. Gotta love a girl who can take a punch. But the worst way <laughs> is that she's a hooker that specializes in getting beaten up. Maybe? <laughs> I don't know. You know what? We should go on with the movie. She's a movie. housewife in the 60s. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah <laughs> which yeah. is pretty much part one. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> yes. Well, that's going to have to be an outtake as well. That was violent offensive, but we're keeping it in. Yeah. I mean, it's just moving stay. it out. Just moving it out of the convo. But we should go back to the movie now because, right. you know. Yes. She takes the punch like a pro. <laughs> <laughs> All right, go ahead. Oh, you love me, baby. Oh, Jesus. <laughs> what, Matt? I, I didn't mean to hurt you. It's just sometimes you make me so angry. <laughs> And then her body was just like, "Yeah, we're done. <laughs> we're going unconscious after this." Yeah, we need we need a little we need to reboot. <laughs> yeah, but in 1968, sometimes you just needed to paste one on abroad. What? <laughs> in 1968, uh-huh. sometimes you just needed to paste one on abroad. What about 2019? Oh no, it's wrong now. <laughs> it's wrong now. Now yeah. it's wrong. Yeah. But back in 1968. Yeah. Well, I mean, a woman had a face. Of course, you could punch her in it. In 1968. Whoa. What? What? What do you mean? What? <laughs> it's not. Ad- advocating that stuff. I'm just saying that's how it was. Yeah, but you know, that's a slippery slope. Women still have faces now, you know. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Huh. I gotta rethink my whole plausibility about this. <laughs> yeah, you probably should. I ben mean, was kind of a dick. I mean, you can punch someone in the face if they have a face. Yeah. That's how that works. Uh-huh. But then you shouldn't really be hitting anybody in the face? No, you should not be hitting anybody in the face. But what if they're really asking for it? How? Okay, give me your definition of asking for it, because they're holding a Nazi flag yeah. and not trying to destroy it. They're holding it aloft. Like, like not ironically? Yes. Okay, yeah, you can punch them in the face. Well, even ironically, I still want to punch them you in the face. You should probably still punch them in the face. The only reason you should ever pick one up is if you're going to throw it into something or a fire or something. The, the only reason you should pick it up is if you just dropped the dude who was holding it, and so you're picking it up to, like, I don't know, whip him with it or something. Or destroy it. Yeah. yeah. All right, so then Cooper and Ben start to argue. Wait a minute. Yeah, not yet. Yeah, why am I? You jumped. Oh, you know what? I think I have another clip. Something happened in my notes. It's fucked up. So let's see. Then we see the zombie eat. Yeah, I must have missed a clip. I think I missed a clip here. So that news report goes after the thing about Rob Zombie stealing it for decades. So to fix that, Rob Zombie stole it for decades. And you can hear it in our next clip. Yeah. All right, so in part of that sequence, we see the naked dead woman. I'll include all that stuff in here. A woman that eats a mouse off of the tree. We already talked about how that's Helen Cooper, so we got to put that in here. Naked dead woman, so thank you, movie. Uh, dude. She looked pretty fresh to me, Matt. Oh, no, man. She's going to try to eat you while you do it. That's not different in a good from, way. That's different from any other type this, of sex I have, How? Wait, you're telling me your wife is actively trying to devour you. Not in the good way. I don't know what is in a bad way, then. Eating your flesh. Yeah, but did you not see number seven? Oh, oh, yeah, never mind. Okay, well, party on. It's all good. Yeah, we're fine. <laughs> By the way, no, the wife doesn't try to do that. I'm just fucking around. <laughs> that would be like some weird ass shit, man. I just strongly disagree with you because I feel Ben Cooper is a wife-beating piece of shit. But if he was a wife-beater, she'd be way more timid. She'd be way more scared of him all the time, and she wouldn't even talk back to him like that. In a classic Hollywood sense, yes. Yes. But if she also gives as good as she gets, like she puts up with it because she's a (laughs) husband-beater. 
That no. I could see more. I see Mrs. Cooper being way more of a husband beater. There are married couples that will physically fight each other. Yeah. And that doesn't mean that he's not a wife beater. That no. just means that she fights back whenever he hits her. But I so I just don't think there's beatings, but uh, I think it, it's just very Stop unhappy. trying to ruin this for me. <laughs> Why Let me that? fantasize about Ben Cooper trying to paste one on his wife. <laughs> <laughs> There's no way out of that you, argument other you, than to make the joke. No, no, really, there isn't. Let's move on. And sweet Judy Rose goes down to look after little Karen Cooper. I'm not uh, even going to hide it. I'm just, I'm going to tell you right now, man. You can tell we live in a different society because you say sweet Judy's going down. I'm just like, first idea, I'm like, scissory? Is that what we're doing? Is it? <laughs> yeah, I wouldn't be into that because the only options are not going to work for me in this movie. <laughs> Smile. I was so waiting for him to be like, you know, you're much prettier when you smile, honey. Can uh, you smile for me? It'll uh, make right? me feel better. Oh. <laughs> oh. Which is weird because, like, I happen to love my wife's smile. Yeah, so, so do I. I love so, my like, wife's complimenting smile. complimenting it now, you're like, uh, how do I say this and not sound like an incel prick? The, 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 the way you do it is if they're actually actively smiling already, you can say, oh, you have such a beautiful smile. But do not say you're prettier when you smile. That's being an incel prick. <laughs> but what if it's true, man? Oh, God, court. <laughs> I mean, you're more handsome when you're smiling. You think I'm handsome? You should smile more for me, Matt. You're a little more handsome when you smile. I don't know. It kind of makes me feel good. I might smile a little bit more. <laughs> <laughs> I better get checked out. <laughs> I, was, I was trying to be creepy with that, but it did come off as super complimentary. Yeah, it came off as a super nice, super heartwarming moment here. I feel a little sick inside. <laughs> a little sick. A little sick. Way to lose the fucking thumb drive when I first gave it to you, dick. <laughs> Light these torches over here. 